holy shit indeed long time no speak it's been like like eight years maybe nine years maybe ten (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy man uh yeah super long time your voice sounds like a a slightly more mature version of your old voice (laughs) you sound the exact same i think that when you came out of the womb you were kind of like talking like this still you had <laughs> this very possible. nice low kind of like sexy drawly voice and you're like hey what a delivery that was how's it going guys <laughs> and they were all like you should get into radio you should, <laughs> you should get into radio <laughs> um yeah so how, how do you want this to roll out what's the plan oh man um fucking i don't have any rules i don't normally talk politics but it's not that i don't want to it's just i people i talk with don't usually talk about it but um, that's doesn't mean we don't or have not to we can talk about anything we that's want fine. we don't have to talk about politics yeah i think people uh, want to what have been like the 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 general topics of interest Oh man, seriously, we will like discuss movies, we will discuss uh, fucking feces, we will discuss music, and we just talk about people we hate or things that happen in our life that we just can't stand. Just any, Really, this is just a podcast that anything goes. Sweet. Okay. Okay. So I can't say that I won't like slide into some sort of political something something at some point, but we can keep it pretty light for... As long as it remains that way. We'll have like 10 drinks and we'll get into it. We'll be like, okay, listen, you got to hear something about government. (laughs) I'm already two down, so need to go. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... uh, Do you want to catch up beforehand or do you want to just like let it ride? Just let it ride, man. Let it ride. Okay. I'll start off. This is the Pod Dirt Podcast. I'm your host, K-Man. And with me today, I have a friend who I haven't seen in a long-ass fucking time. And I feel like we're the kind of friends, though, that would just pick everything right up from where we left off. And this friend right here is my buddy, Jordan. Only a friend, girl? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> lover. Soulmate. Uh, uh, lover across the years, for sure. Like, uh, Thanks for having me, man. This is great. I have wanted to be on the pseudo radio for a very long time. And I have not uh, really had an opportunity other than to obviously talk to myself, which, you know, we all know how sane that sounds. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think people need to realize that I think talking to yourself is still quite an impressive thing to do and not be insane. Like I said, I, I talk to myself, but I don't consider myself insane. However, if I said, Hey, I talk to myself all the time. Everyone's like, what's wrong with you? That's true. That's true. <laughs> I I mean, like, I, I think that there, you know, maybe as we move towards this, like, more supportive of mental health game, maybe it will become apparent that talking to yourself sometimes is okay. I, I don't know, like, yeah. during this... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead, man. Oh, during this COVID thing, uh, I was stranded in Montreal there for almost two months working from home. And by the end of it, man, holy cow, I... Was I was having conversations with my cat, uh, you know, pretty full on conversations to the point where I, I I was able to realize that it was reaching kind of an extreme point and I needed to get out and see someone, right. uh, which is why I moved to Calgary. But uh, yeah, I think if I had not been talking to myself at that time, it could have been a far worse situation. If I just let all those ideas roll around in my head, I wouldn't have 
heard how kind of crazy I was starting to sound. <laughs> I know exactly. What, well, I mean, it's funny because I have like my wife and my kid, but it's it's weird for them because you know my son's little and he doesn't really like you know have conversations. So it's just weird that my wife and I basically just talk to each other. Well, I mean, my wife talks to me. I work, so I still see a lot of people every day. But for her, it's like mm-hmm. I feel like it must be hard. Like you either talk to a baby or talk to yourself. It's it's must be must be kind of nerve wracking. I've done it a couple times. I've been by myself with a baby, and it's very like. Yeah, I, I kind of judge everything that I do like out loud. I'm like, okay, hey, should I do this right now? My baby's not going to answer me. I'm answering myself, but like out loud. So it's it's it's, it's odd, right, but it right. works. Hey, no, that's that's great though. Yeah, is, is she working out of the house? Well, my uh, Sam's a nurse, um, but she's on mat leave okay. right now. So oh, nice. Yeah, she's got another few months of that. So yeah, it's been it's been awesome, right? I mean, I don't know how I could go back when you have a little kid at home, but people do. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Like from America, you know, they, they've, I think they've got like a week to two weeks of uh, maternal leave tops. Yeah. I don't know how it works because for us, it's like basically like, um, we just work on, Oh, what's it called? Like what's the unemployment thing called? Uh, EI, yeah. Unemployment insurance. Yeah. I think yeah, it's like yeah. basically it just runs off that. Like you can't just get a job and like work for like two weeks then like oh i'm going off and having a baby pay me my full wages for the next year like i think you have to have like some money into it you have to work at a job for like i think at least a year i would assume i think that's how it works or, here. or whatever the hours is that's required for ei yeah. yeah that that totally makes sense yeah so in the states it's like still, i've heard that sorry go ahead i no, mean like people at you know pretty big companies sometimes i've heard get like two to three weeks and that's like a generous employer that's giving them that i i, I you know, probably people who've worked for well more than a year, I assume. You know, these aren't McDonald's workers having kids. These are like, you know, lawyers, et cetera, or whatever. You know, definitely, because I, I couldn't see like, yeah, you just get a McDonald's job and just like go out, go and have a baby like a month after you start working there and expect full payment. I don't think that's how it would work anywhere. But I have heard that like they get two, three weeks sometimes. And uh, I've definitely heard that with women. And to me, it's like, that's ridiculous. Obviously, I think, I don't think anyone would agree that's not, that's not horrific to just be like, okay, you had a baby, let's go back to work. But, you know, for me, like I went back, I took three days off and I had like kind of three days already regularly off. So I had to take like compassion days and I had to write a huge fucking thing to my boss saying like, hey, I need compassion days. I'm like, why? Well, I had a baby. And they go, so what do you need the days for? I'm like, well, my wife, you know, pushed a human being through her. So I might have to get her a water <laughs> once in a while, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and like, oh man, yeah. that it's weird that they would, you know, you're doing a cor- corrections. Yeah, I'm a corrections support. officer. Yeah, yeah. So you, you'd feel like, you know, like from a mental health perspective, that's got to be a pretty tough job sometimes. It, it I would assume. It, maybe I'm. Yeah, it has its days where I'm just like I, I literally I. Some days I'm just like, oh my god, how am I going to do this? Uh, it gets nerve wracking, and you don't know where the day is going to go, and it could end in violence. And it's happened before to me. I've ended my day in violence and being in the hospital, getting something looked at or whatever. So it's, uh, uh, yeah. And I mean, I guess you know, you're dealing with people sometimes in their darkest places, right? Yeah, so. yeah. Like I've never, I never. The thing about this job too is like you can't come to this job and like just judge people because I mean if you just go like 
every time I see someone who did something bad, I'm going to fucking freak out and beat them up. It's like, well, your day is going to end in like 20 minutes because your arms are going to be sore. Because everyone you meet in jail is not like the highlight of perfection in the human race. They're sometimes like, sometimes people are there for like just regular, hey, I stole this, I stole that big deal. But then I've dealt with people who are multiple murder, like serial killers and, you know, child rapists. It's, it's a very, it's a very strange job. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, uh, that's super interesting. What what uh, what caused the job switch? Like, what inspired that? Well, I was working. Um, I was working as a medic um, for a yeah. company, and it was actually like one of my favorite jobs. I loved it, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't as stable by the end because the place was kind of going under. So, like, hey, you got about two mm. years to like figure this all out because we're gonna go under. And there's firefighters I work with and nurses, and they're all just like, oh well, let's like ride this out to the end. And I'm like, well, I'll see what I can do. And then actually a nurse friend of mine was just like, Hey, I used to be a nurse at a corrections, uh, like a, it was a federal penitentiary. I work in provincial and there was like, okay. they, they hire all the time. And I was like, Oh really? And like, I saw what they pay and I'm like, well shit, they, they pay more than I make now. So I'm like, hmm, I'll put my name and see what happens. I'm not really, thing is I'm not like a law enforcement kind of guy. I'm not the kind of person who wakes up every morning and like, I'm not saying cops are bad, but I don't wake up and like, you know, polish my boots and stuff. You know, you know who I am. I'm kind of just like a, I'm like a renegade. I'm like a lone wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I have to say, when you wanted to be intimidating, you were very good at being intimidating. Oh, I, that. <laughs> I, I, I think I think you're being sarcastic, but I'll take it anyways. <laughs> oh, no way. I know you got that stern, that stern look on your face. And I was like, oh, shit. I, yeah. It does Can come out once in a while. Oh, yeah. Fucking fucking go ahead. <laughs> okay, sweet. Sweet. sweet ass. Um, so you can swear all you want. I take a step back anyway. <laughs> when when, you know, when you got into the, you know, a bad mood, so to speak. Yeah. No, uh, it's, um, I, I always try to work on that. My wife has never really seen me too angry and sometimes I've gotten angry and she's like, where the hell did that come from? I'm just like, you know what? I don't know. It, it, I think it exists in everybody. <laughs> it absolutely does. You know, it, that's actually a fun little topic that I've been on little trail of lately. Yeah. So, um, you know, like, uh, Mm, how to keep this as <laughs> friendly as possible. So nah, just go for it. Do whatever you do. Like, are you familiar with like Jordan Peterson? Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I am really torn on this guy. Um, I, we don't have to get into his politics or whatever, but I kind of like to use him as a muse just for this, the sake of this conversation. But sure. Um, he kind of speaks to this sort of like, crisis that 18 through 35 year old males are going through right now. Uh-huh. And and I think it probably now extends up to like 40 year old males and maybe further. It's hard to say. Um, but I, I do think that there is this, there's this, um, uh, uh, how do you want to put it? A, a, a cultural shaming of the, sort of more natural aspects of the human male and one of those aspects being anger uh you know anger is very shunned uh sort of publicly obviously obviously violence i think is like a um a a physical manifestation error of air of anger and i don't necessarily think that that's justified but i do think that like you know we're kind of denying 
sort of a primal nature of ourselves when we aren't allowed to touch our anger, mm-hmm. you know? And I know it's, it's obviously like scary for some people and there's like some moderation that needs to come into play with sort of thing. But I, I have been on this kick lately where uh, I'm sort of trying to let my, my inner maleness come through, you know, D- does that make sense? I don't know if that is like, uh, it, I, I can, I can totally understand because I, I do watch Jordan Peterson. So I know some people might be like, Oh, that guy's a fucking, uh, I agree with him on some stuff and other stuff. I'm just like, I'm not so big on. And, um, he's a really intelligent a- dude though. I don't care if you like him or not. He's a very intelligent dude. And I've always kind of felt that way. And I, I felt, I feel this way partially because I always try to think that we're just a bunch of like evolved monkeys and we're, we're still monkeys. And, we are monkeys. And, That's and, it. Yeah, we're and, special monkeys. And anger. No, we're not special monkeys. <laughs> we're, we're, mm, what's that word where you like simmer something for a long time and you you were like concentrated monkeys. <laughs> All of our monkey stuff is like really concentrated. We're like Sorry, sl- we're like slow drip, like cold coffee monkeys. That's it. You know, it. <laughs> we're just um, yeah. So it's like I always kind of think when someone goes like we shouldn't be this and we shouldn't be that. I'm very up on the thing. I'm just like, well, I feel this way. So clearly there's something in my DNA that would make me feel this way. And it could not be the thing I need to manifest in my life. However, I can't deny what's going on in my head and my body. I have to like realize that this is mm-hmm. happening because I feel like I have, I have mental health issues too. And I think my mind, I'm like, I kind of know why evolutionarily I have these issues. And I'm not saying like everyone has mm. this and everyone can rationalize this and that's fine. I'm not trying to say everyone needs to figure things out, but I always try to think that like my self and all my emotions are just stemming from like me being a monkey. And I just try to like kind of over, not overcome it, but just sort of be like, well, I'm doing it because of this reason and it needs to happen. I can't, you can't fight biological urges and anger is definitely one of them. Mm. So it's like, I just, I just, I'm, I'm in this, I know it's exactly what you're saying because I like, I work in like a high stress environment and if I was angry all the time, it just, I would probably have a heart attack and die. And like my, the way I go through my job now, which is, you know, it's one thing I learned is like, I don't fake being someone. I can go in there and act like a tough guy. Like I'd act like I'm a cop and I could just push people around and that's just not me. I can't fake who I am. I go there and I try to be happy mm-hmm. and funny with people. And most people, even like really dangerous people or really angry people can see that like, I'm not here to bust your fucking ass. Most of the time I'm here just to do my right. job and I'm not going to be a hard ass. I smile and I make jokes. That's who I am naturally. But I do have a side where that's people awesome. find it. Yeah. So it's like, that's super awesome. I, I mean, that's how I've always known you. So, you know, that totally makes um, Anyway, so yeah, like I, uh, if you ever get the chance, there's this book called um, Iron John. It's just like a sort of philosophical piece, a poetic piece. This guy basically talks about this like old um, Grimm's Brothers. Is it Grimm's Brothers? Uh, um, Brothers Grimm? Brothers Grimm. Okay, you know, Brothers like, Grimm. Yes, like, yes. You know, like all like the fairy tales we know, but like the dark versions of those fairy tales back before like North America needed to make things soft (laughs) and pretty for people. Back when they were like Um, German stories and they were kind of crazy and ended up in like a lot of dicks being thrown at somebody. I understand. That's it. That's that's exactly it. One of these one of these stories is Iron John, and it's sort of like a kind of a an analog to like boys going through the process of turning into men, and. it's really pointing out that we're like, we're missing a lot of the steps Mm -hmm. in our current society. And 
that's kind of causing like a whole bunch of, you know, ripple-esque issues down the, down the train, down the tree or down the chain, yeah. as you could say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, it, this is all going back. Why I brought this whole thing up was going back to America, not being able to be with their kids for, you know, longer than two weeks, right? After they're born. Oh yeah. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it kind of makes me think like, like, the, you know, you know, they talk about like individualism and sort of like, you know, the family unit, you right. know, and, and people are having a way harder time keeping their family units together these days. What with like all the different, you know, stimuli that are, that are around. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm not saying this, but I'm wondering if, you know, these, these little ripples of like the mom not being able to hold their child for like the first month straight of their life, you know, like the, the weird primal connections that they're sort of removing by forcing people back into the system, you know, could this have implications on the family unit? I would I don't know. strongly agree with that. I mean, I'm so happy that we, like my son was born right before COVID. Literally like COVID was a thing when my son was born, but it wasn't like you have to wear a mask. You have to leave the room as soon as this happens. They were just like, Hey, this thing's mm. kind of like in India and, and China and Spain and all this stuff. And we're like, Oh, that's crazy. And literally like a month later <laughs> it was like, okay, get the fuck in your house. Don't leave your goddamn house. And you can't come out for two weeks. And we're like, okay. But like my son was born right at the time before that happened so people can come and see him he was able to hug mama i could i didn't have to like you know oh go she didn't have to go back to work it was a bunch of stuff like that where we were able to actually have like a good child um experience for like at least a month before all of a sudden everything shut down we can't see anybody anymore we can't do this we can't do that so it was just you know a, a, a blessing i guess to say i don't really like to use that word but that's just how it felt where it's like at least we had that but i can understand your point where it's the nuclear family, I and mean, the thing is, when I say nuclear family, I don't know if that even means like a mom, a dad, and two kids. Like, if you have a dad, a dad, a mom, and a mom, or whatever, I think as long as you have like very structured people on uh, both sides, like I think you need to have a liberal parent and like a like a de- or a, I don't know what they're called, uh, a conservative, conservative kind of parent. Yeah. I think you need both, and we can you know people can argue like all the time. Well, no, uh, liberals are always bad, or you know Republicans, blah, all this shit. It's like I think they they really just have to accent each other all the time. I don't think this is ever going to go away, and this happens with parents as well, with the nuclear family and just everything. Yeah. I don't think it needs to be like I said. It doesn't need to be a man and a woman. It could be anything. It's just as long as that child has like someone at home that structured them and everything. So I don't know. I I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And just like somebody, you know, the consistency, the safety, the the stability of having the same pheromones around you for extended periods of time, you know, yeah. thinking to like the most primal experience that these babies probably have. No. But um, no, I totally agree with you, man. Like f- families should be taking all sorts of crazy forms right now. I agree. Um, do you remember? Do you remember my gay parents? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> what was it? Oh. I don't know what that was. No. Okay, so so do you have gay parents? Uh, Wait, like do you have gay rat. parents? Sorry, you have gay parents. I don't think you have gay parents. I'm just—is that if it is a book or a movie? I'm trying. No, no, my well, my parents are well. For first, first, uh, first wave divorced, second wave still heterosexual. But then, <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> when I moved to Toronto, yeah. when I moved to Toronto, um, I 
made friends with John and Jet. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I understand what you're saying now. Yeah. I was actually going to say, yeah, do you yeah. mean like the people? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Continue. And, and they really became my gay parents. And I think that they, you know, like, like what is a parent? They're just kind of like a model for you, right? They're mm-hmm. like a, a person who shows you the ropes of life to some degree. Yes. And, you know, while those dudes were very unconventional and like, I love them. I really should get in touch with them again. Um, you know, they, they taught me how to navigate the, you know, the deep dark woods of Toronto <laughs> without, without them. I would have gotten demolished, you know, like it was a, it were really a blessing. And I, and I do consider them parents in that way now. You sure. Know? I could say, yeah, I, uh, I've connected with them on a few occasions and I, I sadly missed, I'm tangenting a little bit here, but, I, I feel bad I missed uh, Jet's, I think it was his 60th, his 50th or his 60th, and uh, I'd had a big invite, and one of my, one of my greatest regrets, a very few, was missing his, his uh, 50th birthday there. Right. I think it was 50th. I think it was 50th. I, I, don't, 50th. I don't think he was, I mean, I think he was probably like in his late 30s when I met him, so maybe 40, so maybe it was his 50th, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, family units, awesome. Well, well I, was, I, yeah. I mean, this just kind of brings us around to, I was going to, we, we'd catch up in a sense where it's like, I, I was going to talk about how we even met and like how much kind of impact oh, you yeah. had on my life. Yeah, okay. And um, you on mine. Bring it on, buddy. <laughs> like, this is kind of family stuff because like I said, like we haven't spoken a word. I've texted you and stuff like that. And it's funny because I feel like a complete asshole because I'm the kind of person who likes to always keep in touch with like anyone I can. And we've always kind of like Facebook, hey, hey, happy birthday. How's it going? Everything good? Cool. But it's like, I haven't heard your voice in literally like 10 years. Right, right. And, and like we were, and like there's, and right now it's like we're picking up like we're brothers. Like we can just kind of go like, hey, what the fuck's up, man? I was in fucking Korea for like 10 years. How the fuck's it going? We just kind of snap back into like how we were, you know? And even though well, we, had, we you know. definitely went through some trenches, quote unquote. <laughs> I, you know, I would never want to <laughs> diminish the, the military men, but, no. or women, the military people. The military days. Uh, okay, yes. Like, <laughs> military men. Day of the military, yeah. um, but no, I. Uh, it was it was like a, a a very formative time of my life, and I think that I kind of have this rule for myself where, like, I love kind of deep and fast, mm-hmm. and when I meet people who I just connect with super well, like yourself, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've got a sprinkling of maybe like nine people in my life who kind of fit into that same category and it's like you know if you reach out to me and you are like jordan i'm going through some shit i you know i need some help yeah i'll i'll be there for you you know and i i not that i expect that from other people too but i find like uh, there's we had this whole discussion uh with my with my roommate and i about kind of the stickiness of relationships Mm -hmm. and if you think of like if you think of like the, the glue between two people uh, being created very, very hard in a short period of time and then pulled kind of over a long period of time, that strand is still very strong. It, it might be stretched, but it's still very strong, right? That's a good analogy. And I, and I find like a... Sorry? Oh, so that's a good analogy. Yes, I, I agree. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I find like I've got a, a couple of good people, you know, maybe like, yeah, about nine who are just like that, you know, and you're one of them. So I, I you know, I was really excited that we <laughs> would get to have this connection and share it pseudo publicly. But yeah, as I, as I said, I think I had a dream about you. I told my wife too, I said, I had a dream about Jordan. She's like, your friend, like, cause I have a cousin named Jordan. She's like, your cousin? I said, no, my friend from Montreal. And she goes, oh, you haven't talked to him in a while. Okay. I said, yeah, I really need to like fucking open up because it's like, like I said, I'm not afraid to like talk to you. I'm not going to be like, what's he going to be like? I, I, I just, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to call him. And it's just going to be like, yo, what's up? How's it going? Like, and I just said like, I want to do a podcast about it. But, um, it was just, it was just crazy. Cause I'm like, yeah, you're the kind of person where we've always kind of just had that sort of connection where it's like, we never needed to do anything for anybody. Like it was like, Oh, he doesn't want to help me move. He's not my friend anymore. Kind of thing. It's like, you've always been like, if, if you call me and you're like, bro, I need a kidney. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to test it. Let me see if I'm a match. I mean, hopefully I'm fucking not, but I'll test for you. <laughs> like I'm not losing a kidney. No. <laughs> kidney roulette. <laughs> yeah. Oh damn. For I'm sure. sorry, bro. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, man. Okay. So, so the story of our, you know, connection is super random it's and actually random. I probably forget like important. It was super random Yeah, and probably random important points of it. I'm going to gloss over. Oh yeah. But, um, you're a musician, right? That's what I hear. Um, I, I, I consider myself to be a person who picks up a guitar and puts a pick to it and plays things. I don't know how I'm a musician per se. <laughs> Yeah, what what does make a musician a musician? That's a great question. I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I consider myself, I've written songs, I've played guitar for, I don't know, maybe 17, 18 years now. So I guess I can consider myself, like, we've played shows. Like, I've, I've played music live, I've played music on recordings, so I can say I guess I'm a musician. I, you know, yeah. A very small amount of money, didn't we? We probably like, had 10 tunies to our name. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, great, great. The the Potpourri Avengers. That's right. Is that our name? Oh man, we. Oh my god. That was it. That was it. and we uh we started off with me, uh Trevor who's been on the podcast, and I think Cameron who's been on the podcast. I Cameron was with the band, but I don't know if he was on the podcast or not. And we started like a punk band, and it was just like okay. you know we're just shit. Like we don't know what the fuck we're doing. We're playing like instruments barely. And then we're like, you know what? I, cause I used to be the singer and I fucking hate singing. Like I, cause I can't play guitar and sing very well. So it's like, I'm just screwing everything up. So I'm like, let's find a singer. And we're asking our friends and all our friends are like, I'm not fucking singing for your stupid ass fucking band. And we're like, all right, fine. Fuck you. So we put up these posters and they were like, I don't know. They were like really like, um, uh, they were very like badass. offensive, yeah, badass kind of things where it's like, hey, fag, or something like that. Or it's like, hey, why don't you come suck my dick? And then, like, in big letters, and it was like, hey, by the way, now that we have your attention, we're looking for a lead singer for our shitty punk band. That sounds very, very uh, memorable. I think that's definitely what it was. And it's like, and you're the kind of person who's like, hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to call this number. <laughs> These, these guys seem like my kind of guys. <laughs> and you, call, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you didn't even know who we were. Like, you know, it was just like, here's some people. You didn't know we were guys or girls or 10 fucking band members or one band member. You have no, yeah, we had no idea. Then I think we had two other people like try out, but one person came and was like just way too drunk. And I don't know, there's a whole bunch of things where I'm just like, I don't think this is going to work out. And then like you called and you came and we're like, oh my God, we like this. I don't know. We're just all of a sudden we're like, this guy's funny and he's cool. And you're just sort of like, so what's the, what's the thing here? What are we doing here? And I'm like, oh, we're playing a punk band. You're like, I, I could do I could deal with that. I'm good. Let's, let's see what we can do. <laughs> oh man. And we yeah. played like riffs and we just like played like punk riffs and you just started singing shit. And we were like, holy fuck. Like, we're like, this is, this is it. This is our fucking band, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> and then we played for a while in your house. My house, yeah. Practicing yeah. your place. Yep. And in we and in Kyle's and in or no, sorry, not Kyle's, but um Trevor's. Cameron's and in Trevor's place. Yes. In all three homes. Yep. Never yours though, but I always felt bad because you had to like bus it from like downtown Toronto to the fucking burbs. And I was like, oh man, like now I'm like, why is Jordan late? What the fuck's wrong with him? And I'm like, oh yeah, I has to take like two buses and three subways they get here. And I'm like, shit, I feel so bad. It was like, it was like an hour and a half trip every single time. Yeah. You're like we're yeah, practicing no, today. Get here in like an hour. You're like, fuck me. It's like, oh, I don't think I can do that. Yeah. But then we'd always play downtown yeah. whenever we like performed. And that was like near me. So yeah and that's yeah i had that benefit of the doubt but also like yeah uh so the music thing led into like we used to hang at your house and you lived in this really cool loft with like some like male models and shit like that and like that was john and jet's place yeah it was john jet that was john and jet's place and they had those like there's that one guy who came in once in a while but he looked like he was just like his name was like sven and he just like did lots of coke and just did like ab workouts all day oh no no okay I mean, yes, 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 actually. Um, holy crap, I haven't thought about him in a super long time. Yeah. That's Aaron. Aaron was the one who, like, ran, like, 15K a day. Right. And was, like, arguably the rippedest human I've ever met. <laughs> and still to this day, I think he's the rippedest human. And uh, the other one, the one that looked like Sven, um, he's one of crazy allergies. Oh, you, so you were... You actually knew me when I was living at Paul's place. Paul, yeah, uh, I remember Paul. That's from that's you kind of lived with yeah. Paul. And he was a photographer or something like that, or he was like a fashion that's guy or something. Right. Yeah, he was a he was a like um he did fa- uh, clothing and like styling and makeup. That's right. what he did. Right, uh, and had a raging coke addiction. That's <laughs> that's what it was. And the the only me the only reason I moved in there was because he like had some, you know, I'm, I maybe won't get into the, all the details on, on the line here, but he had a very serious medical situation arise based on cocaine consumption uh-huh. through inappropriate orifices. Oh. I'll leave it there. Oh, Jesus. Uh, oh, Jesus. I yeah, want to hear the story, but that's okay. Don't say it. <laughs> I wasn't there, but I came there for the aftermath, actually. Um <laughs> Yeah, which was which was crazy, and then and then actually led to one of probably the most beautiful experiences I ever had in Toronto, other than hanging out with you guys, obviously. Right. I don't, um, don't have to suck up to us that much. Don't worry, Jesus. We fucking did some stupid <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, no, for sure. But I, yeah, like I, I, his, his, um, what do you call it? His uh, assistant, his assistant, mm-hmm. who was like you know mentoring through him or whatever took over the project that we were supposed to work on that morning. So there was like a, we were going to Niagara Falls to like work on this, like uh, uh, what do they call it? A speed shoot or like a super shoot where they, they basically exploit like a bunch of like young models who are not okay. Exploit is maybe a dangerous term to use. <laughs> okay. They, I, I get it, but yeah. Okay. They, they, they basically go and they do like 15 shoots with like a bunch of young models and like actually fashion models, not like nude models or whatever. Yeah. And uh, they charge them like an X amount of money. So they, you know, they come away, they have a team of like a photographer, a stylist, makeup person. And then kind of, I was the gopher and uh, they uh, had to abort basically Paul 
going to this project. So I jumped in with this assistant mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we, we'd basically just seen arguably one of second most horrific thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and they, she, she turns to me and like, we get in the car and we're driving to Niagara Falls after just like witnessing this thing at like five thirty in the morning. Oh, and, uh, I, she was like, I need to smoke some pot. Like, <laughs> Oh my God, this girl's so cute. And we're going to smoke pot together on the drive down to Niagara Falls. We had the best time. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, we were like totally having like an incredibly awesome time together. Super great time. And then long story short, uh, I, I think that there was some tension building, but then I ate too much pizza and had like deep itis and then totally ruined <laughs> just like bloated, just like breathing heavy. We had, yeah, quite the adventure. This is like way before I started smoking pot. Yeah, well, that's, and, that's uh, a major part of like our life together too, is you pretty much introduced me to fucking pot. Right, right. But like I maybe smoked um, once before, but you know it was a classical. I was fourteen. I smoked weed, but I didn't inhale. I didn't get high. So it's like really the first time I ever smoked weed, like smoked it, was at your house. And oh dear, I was, did I ruin your life? Not, well, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I deal with serial killers all day, so maybe it's debatable now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, I ruined my own life, sort of. Ha ha. Just kidding. I didn't. Uh, but I, um, I quit. I quit. Uh, I mean, it's going to sound crazy considering that we were like hanging out like 17 years ago, but I have, it's been six months now. Wow. Six months since I, well, since you, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, if that's what you wanted to do too, it's like, I, I never shit on someone for stopping doing something that could be harmful or just could be something that you're just not, you know, feeling a productive, nature coming out of it right like if you're like you know what cocaine gives yes. me the inspiration to make movies and you make movies well then keep doing cocaine but if it's like you know what's starting to affect my personal life okay well don't then i don't fucking know <laughs> like you know right 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 um well that that was basically it you know i think that like for me i had some dreams and those dreams were being hampered by smoking the mary jane you know no they, I, I understand. Uh, it, it was kind of actually funny. Um, you know, so I'm like, as we were, I don't know if, did you catch that early bit about me being a more political character? No, you said you were going to, sure. you said you're going to go into it a bit and I, I, I will never shut someone's conversation down. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not going to jump into it maybe yet, but what I will say is that I, I had a really interesting conversation with my dental hygienist. Okay. So, uh, she was, she was like taking a poke at my teeth and she was like, you know, you know, your teeth are going pretty good. And, you know, I really appreciate that you, uh, you know, have been flossing a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more, you know, emphasis on a little bit more. Um, and, uh, I, I can see, did you, do you smoke? Do you smoke? And I was like, Oh no, I don't. And this was actually after I'd quit. And I was like, nope, I don't smoke at all anymore. Right. And she's like, oh, did you, did you at some point? And I was like, oh yeah, I used to smoke weed. And then she was like, oh, what made you quit? And, and this is like, like, this is like a, you know, maybe 50 year old 
maybe Filipino lady. Right. Uh, and just, you know, very gentle, very nice woman. And uh, I was like, you know what? I, I felt like it was kind of hampering my ability to sort of reach my goals that I'm hoping for myself in my life or whatever. Right. And she, she kind of looks at me and she's like, you know what? That's what I'm worried about. Oh, I'm no. worried the weeds making all the kids soft. Oh, I was no. like, whoa. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, could be. Well, no, I like, and I've gone on this, I've gone on this bit before, right? And like, I've hung out, or sorry, by bit, I mean like, I've gone on this line of thinking before about how, you know, you do become really comfortable with uncomfortable situations while you're smoking weed. And this is, this is no judgment to people who smoke weed, by the way. Like I I understand. Yeah. Honestly, if if I was to retire right now, I just probably start smoking weed like immediately and (laughs) be like, no, no, you know, no questions asked like partying down. Um, right. But, uh, I do know, like I've been in the leftist communities a lot in my sort of, you know, the last maybe 10, 12 years of my life. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is that weed can play a really, uh, complicating role in the sort of expression of what these people are trying to accomplish. I don't know if that's like the most long windedest way of saying that, but weed makes you stupid um, or something. (laughs) It, it doesn't make you stupid. It no, no, makes no. you lazy and, yeah. and not lazy. It makes you, if you had two hours to burn writing a little, I don't know, essay on a thought that you'd had earlier in the day, you're not going to do that. You're right. going to get high. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, I mean, that, that was my life for like a pretty long time. So, you know, right. I, I know it well, I think I smoked weed for like 23 years. Uh huh. Uh, so man, this is very therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> it's catharsis on this podcast. You see? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Catharsis podcast. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think that, that for me, at least for what I need to do with my life, I kind of needed to stop. Right. And, and, and when I retire if if, and when I retire, I'll start smoking weed again. I can never see you retiring. You're not the kind of guy who retires. I know you. You're always up to yeah, something. Well, <laughs> You're always cooking something up in that fucking hopper of yours. Something up. That's true. That's true. Yeah. No, yeah. I completely understand though. Like I, I used to smoke, like I said, like actually once I started, once I started hanging out with you, it's like, I'd be buying a fucking ounce a week and just blowing through it. And like, I never had the, um, the generic, like I'm a stoner and I have to grow dreadlocks now and be like that fucking weirdo who like just tells everyone to smoke weed. Like I always kind of kept myself on a, path that I hoped would, you know, be what I wanted. And it never really steered me too wrong, but I did stop smoking a lot for a long time. Like I met up with, uh, I was with a girl, my ex, and then we'd smoke. And then she's like, you know what? We should quit for like a couple of years. And then I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't fucking care. And then we like went back to it and it's like, everything kind of changed when I started smoking again and not necessarily for the, for the best. Like I felt like it wasn't, it didn't do what it used to do to me. So it kind of bummed me out that it's like, I it was chasing the dragon almost. And I know it's just weed. It's not like it's fucking heroin or fentanyl or something like that, but it's like, right, right. I liked a certain amount of, you know, pleasure I got out of that and the experiences I got out of it. And nowadays I, I smoke weed to this day. 
but I smoke really mm. for physical and um, mental purposes. And I mean that in a way of like, I don't smoke because I'm depressed or something like that, but I have anxiety and I like to smoke to like kind of get me on level. I don't smoke to the point where I'm like eating a bag of chips, passed out on the couch and just like eh, cartoons. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I, I've been there recently and it's just, it's fine. It's totally fine. But I will just, all I want to do is get my body onto a plane that I can just normalize myself. And I work a job that's very physical and I try to really stay active and I'm getting fucking older. I mean, Christ, I'm in my thirties now, I'm in my mid thirties now. So it's like, I need to, <laughs> I'm saying this now. It's like, fuck, last time we talked, we were probably like 23 years old or something like that. Like it's strange. I don't, I think you were 21, man. I think 21, 22. Yeah. 23, maybe by the end. By that's the, true. That's true. Yeah. It was like when I started smoking weed, I was, I think it was 18 or 19 when I met you and I started smoking weed, like really smoking weed then. And then, uh, yeah, I think I stopped smoking weed when I was like 25, but that's like when I stopped smoking tons of weed. And then it was like, you know, then it came back to it, but it's, um, it's just, it was weird to come back. And now I really just smoke it to get onto like a level. Cause I don't like taking pills. I do take, I do take, a. Uh, like medication for mental health, but I very low dose. I'm not like major psychotropic drugs. I'm very like regimented on how I want to live. I try to eat really healthy and exercise quite a bit. So it's like, I don't want to be reliant, but the weed more just less balances me out as best as I can. And if I don't want to smoke that day, I won't. I'll be like, I need to do this in order to like feel regular. It doesn't always necessarily come down to that. Sometimes I'll do 20 pushups and be like, okay, I kind of feel like more level because I have, you know, whatever, uh, dopamine, serotonin running through my body, which is better. And weed sometimes just helps me go to sleep because if I'm like sore, like I'm exhausted, like, you know, I got my yeah. baby, I wake up every, you know, I have to wake up early, I wake up. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just, it's, Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. So that's, I mean, that's the thing. It's yeah, like, yeah. I smoke weed the same way people just have a drink once in a while. It's, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. It just depends on how you want to use it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think like in, in a terrible sense, like my quitting of weed has just like quadrupled my alcohol intake i was like barely ever drinking while i was smoking weed which is probably arguably healthier for my long term sure but for some reason when i'm drinking like i can like when i drink as a sort of relaxation mechanism right i can be coherent kind of the next day i know like i'll maybe be groggy or whatever but like my mind's still like sharp and popping you know right um like uh I guess you probably don't know. Like, I program now. That's, like, my job. No, I was going to ask you because, I mean, like, you've, I've always known you to be doing something. Like, I've never been, like, I've been unemployed so many times where I'm like, hey, let's just smoke weed and do nothing. But it's like, you're always been like, ah, oh, I got to do the fucking this now. I got to do fucking that. So you're programming now. It's fucking sick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my main job, doing programming. Yeah, I work for a giant investment bank uh, building their data infrastructure. Of course you are. call it. Of course you are. Yeah. You're in some fucking, yeah. so you're always in like a uh, high finance motherfucker, like go to orgies with a bunch uh, of people who wear like Versace shit and drive Lamborghinis. I know who you are, bro. I, I've never had an orgy. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll admit that on, on, uh, oh, still dreaming though. If there's any, if there's any listeners out there who are, you know, looking for a good time, just kidding. <laughs> just so, kidding. But here's my number. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, so, like, I'm, I'm, my politics are, you know, arguably uh, conflicting with my job. Okay. But, uh, you know, they pay me money and I, it's hard to say no to money right now, you know? Oh, I believe it, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
what are we what world are we living in here man we used to be the punk rockers who skateboarded high as balls downtown and like eat fucking vietnamese food at two in the morning and pretend to be a human car because we were so fucking high that was us and now we're like <laughs> finances and stock options oh, i mean i'm not like that but you're like that <laughs> i mean <laughs> i'm a little like that yeah and that's yeah. I, no i'm just joking i don't it, i would never shit on anyone's job because i think my job i with my i'll go back sorry i'm gonna cut you off and <laughs> no no go 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 i always i always just laugh at my job because like some people wake up in the morning and they go i want to be a lawyer i want to be a doctor i want to be a cop i want to be a fucking skateboarder i want to be a different things in my job i think no one has ever woken up and been like i want to be a fucking corrections officer <laughs> it's like the stupidest fucking job in the world and i say that with love i love everyone who i work with i really do and i love mm-hmm. the job for many reasons but it's just like it's not the job it's like oh you want to be a cop why because i want to help people i was a paramedic i want to be a parent i want to help people i want to save lives i want to like you know, feel good when I go in the end of the day. My job now is just like, I want to babysit murderers and child rapists and feed them food and get them things. Like it's just, it does not, it does not compute with like social norms and whatever. So, I mean, I would never shit on someone's job because my job I find is just one of those things where I'm like, I can't even understand why this is a job. Yeah. Yeah. But however, I paid yeah, off. I? Yeah. I paid off my cars. I don't, oh, I don't have to, I don't, my cars are mine now. I don't have to pay anybody anymore. Uh, I bought a house and with my wife and we have no credit card debt and I have no more student loans. So the money I make, I'm just like, how the fuck can I complain? And during COVID I have a job. So I really cannot complain about my job anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally hear that. I totally hear that. I mean, like, I think that whole notion though, like, you know, not just very gently pushing back. I think that notion of like, uh, what do I have to complain about kind of thing Mm. is a somewhat of a slippery slope, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Like, you know, uh, you could be literally starving and then you could be like a slave getting food. You could be like, well, what do I have to complain about? (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. There's kind of a, there's kind of a, like, you know, that, that trajectory goes all the way up the tree. Right. And it, and then like, do you know, uh, I'm going to be, uh, not be able to pull this together super well. Do you know Rutger Bergman? Mm, No, No, uh, probably not. Okay. So, so, you know, Davos, right. Where all the rich guys conspire and women conspire and then maybe non-gendered individuals conspire to, you know, um, <laughs> like control the financial system better. I, I, I don't, I don't know the names, but I, I understand the premise. Yes. I understand the point. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's a convention called Davos. That's like a, Oh yeah. Convention. Okay. I've heard of that. Then. Yes. Yes. I've heard of that convention before. Oh. Okay, of all the big finance people, and yeah. and they they like try and like pander to the plebs uh, <laughs> to some degree. Yeah, uh, they you know they they like they're like oh we have a couple of panels with people who are trying to uh, you know solve issues that actually like concern poorer people. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and also actually a funny twist on this whole thing is like inequality actually really sucks for rich people. And okay. you know why? Why is that? Because there's nobody to buy their shit. <laughs> okay, it, yeah. It, it, it's kind of a crazy conundrum. Like, they need a middle class to buy their shit. Or else, like, 
how do they remain wealthy, right? How that's do they true. keep the system going if everyone's too poor to buy the Teslas or whatever, you know? Yeah, well, um, that's a really good point. Actually, I didn't think – because I that's a big thing. I think everyone's like, oh, fuck the rich, eat the rich because they're just like pieces of shit. It's like, okay, don't you own an iPhone and this and that and a million other fucking things that rich people fucking made for you? Like I'm not trying to be that person who uh, approves of every one thing a rich person does, but – I get what you're kind of saying, where it's just like we unfortunately need someone to be the lower than us. I I kind of get what you're saying, if that's what you're saying. Well, I mean, like like the rich need somebody lower than them. Yeah. Right. Like the <laughs> whole system of like having more money, and like money could also be equated as like power to some degree. <laughs> There's other forms of power, but like money being like a very large form of power the greatest way to keep people in that state of like lower power is by using your power to create stuff that they like consume to the benefit of you. Right. Completely understand that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where was I going with this tangent here? So, uh, I, I think you're going to the point of like, um, cause I, I was, I was mentioning the point and it was just, I was going to say like, uh, um, how can I complain? And you said, "What's well, a slippery slope?" And and I under, ah, yes. and I get what you're going with that. So I just wanted to point. Out, I just want to put the yeah, yeah, okay, okay. This is this is such, such an important like thing that's like been introduced into my life here. Okay, so right. they talk about the idea of um, he talks about. Okay, well, actually, let me go to Rutger at Davos. He says this beautiful little line that I was watching when I was watching the panel, and he's like uh, talking about inequality. And they bring up the concept of taxes and yeah. they're like, well, why don't we just tax the rich or like a little bit more, right? Do they need all the money that they have? Right. Sure. And the, the rhetoric around the rich and taxes is like so well established and so clear. They're like, well, the rich are clearly better at creating, you know, innovation and et cetera. So you should obviously give them the most money because they're going to create the most productivity within the system. And if you tax them, that money is going to go to other people who will use that money less productively. Right? <laughs> okay. It's kind yeah. of like yeah. a synthesis of why they shouldn't tax the rich. There's another argument that says that, well, the rich will just leave whatever jurisdiction starts taxing them too much. Uh, so let's, let's all have a race to the bottom where the rich just go, you know, uh, maybe, okay. Th- that's a whole side story. Okay. So, um, what he talks about in this after after these people basically like, you know, kind of rip on him for in this panel about like him saying, like, why don't we just tax the rich or whatever? He says this line. He's like, I feel like I'm at a firefighters conference and nobody is allowed to use the word water. And when I heard that, <laughs> okay, I'm, oh, yeah. my God, it's so, so poetic, so beautiful. Um, I need to read this guy's book. So anyway, he has a book mm. called Utopia for Realists. And he has this, like, I don't fully agree with like everything. And and actually he has like a whole chapter at the end, which kind of like very humanely says like, these are all my beliefs. And like, I want you to take these ideas, but I want you to also criticize them and, you know, shit on them and, you know, be critical of them. And I, I think that that's really great that he has like a whole chapter dedicated to sort of like, I'm not, 100% 100% right and nobody is so yeah. let's like stop presenting ourselves as if we are right you yeah know? yeah uh, and but he, he has this one line where he talks about this concept of utopia or not one line like a whole paragraph chapter or whatever about utopia right and he talks about utopia is a word 
And like words in English, they often take on like all sorts of different meanings to all sorts of different people. And lately, the concept has been like really shat on, you know, by most people, right? Everyone's like, there's no utopia. You're never going to make utopia. Stop trying to find utopia, you know? Right. And like that, that's kind of the rhetoric that I hear a lot when, when people start throwing that word around. And Rutger puts this like, really beautiful framing on it. And he's like, utopia is like the horizon. Mm. Okay. You can see it. You can run towards it. But once you get there, there's another horizon. Okay. I, right? I, I, I get that. Yeah. And it makes it way more of a process than an end destination. Right. And it kind of brings back hope for where we're going as a species, arguably. Right. Right. Um, like uh, he uses this one idea about how, um, you know, thinking back to like the 1300s, something like that. He's like, if, if you told people from the 1300s that they would be able to work like a menial job and then have access to, any of the wines they could possibly want from around the world and, you know, um, be able to get their teeth fixed and, you know, uh, have surgery without extreme pain, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I get it. Like yeah. Utopia, right. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, for them, what we live in is arguably a utopia but like we live in it now and I think we can all be fairly clear that it's not, you know, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying with that. Yeah. Like as the times change, it's like, we can look back and say like, if we had what we had now back then, like we just showed it to them here, here's this, they'd be like, what in the fuck? This is heaven. This is legitimately what they talk about in the Bible or something like that. Right. They'd be like, this is insane. Like how can we even consider this to be real life? It's so, it's so convenient and easy. Like, I, I think like the like sorry continue your point I'm going to interrupt you go ahead no no I, I mean like you're you're right on the on the money there and and that I think we just need to like I, I think as a as a society we kind of need to take that back a little bit mm-hmm. and be like what what's the next step for us you know yeah. like what's our horizon that we're looking towards, you know, is this it is, is, is the future, you know, my kid playing on TikTok all day, you know, and like literally given all of his information to various information technology organizations. I don't need to name names here or anything. Um, <laughs> say but, it, say uh, the ones. <laughs> Well, Come I mean, if, if you want to look up who TikTok's owned by, it's ByteDance. If you want to look like at who ByteDance is owned by, yeah. it's it, it's a quick one, two, three as to what's going on with that whole situation. They were just fine, eh? They were just fine, like a billion dollars. No, I don't know. I'm just throwing around numbers around. Sure. Um, uh, by the UK for for basically mishandling children's information. Like gaining their facial, you know, coordinates yeah, digitally. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it 
we're in a freaky time, man. We're in a freaky time. And like, and I don't think, I don't think anyone's in power who's in power right now has enough courage to take us where we need to go as a society to get us not into like 18, 1984. You oh, know, like Orwellian like stuff. Orwellian. Yeah, yeah. I got you on that one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like anyway, Th- that's <laughs> so it. Dan didn't really no, it's funny because I had this conversation today with a couple of my coworkers and we're, I don't know how the conversation started, whatever. We were talking about how some things are similar in every which way. Like I work, I work in a prison and a prison has not really changed in a long time. I mean, we have like digital locks or something like that, but a lock and a door is still what is the main component of a jail. And there's nothing really different about that. However, and this is, I mean, like I said, jails have been, have been, I don't know how long jails have existed for, like a million fucking years. I have no idea how long we can date back a jail or any sort of detention-y center as much as you could put it back then. It's like, hey, you're going to stay in this cave until we decide what's going to happen to you. Like it's, it goes back to when we were probably cavemen to think about it. But Definitely. we were talking about how in the last hundred years, we went from like plowing a fucking field with a goddamn shovel to sending surface to air missiles um, to blow fucking jets that fly around the world in less than 20 hours out of the sky. And we, and we have phones that we could just chat with each other and look at it. Like we're doing a podcast right now. You're in goddamn Calgary. I'm in where I'm in Toronto. I was like, where am I? I'm in Toronto. <laughs> well, I'm outside of Toronto, but I'm in Ontario. And, uh, and I'm just like, it's just weird to think like a hundred years ago, I mean, a hundred years ago was technically like, you know, what, like it was after world war one. So I'm thinking just before that, like before the industrial revolution, it's like what we had nothing. Like we can't even consider like we had like on the time stamp of history and all of the known universe, we've existed for what, like a point millionth of a fucking second. And, and there's a smaller percentage of when we even existed to have cell phones. Cell phones existed like 30 years ago at the most, or like 40 years ago at the most. And now it's like, you're right. Where are we in a hundred years? We advanced so far that where are we going now? And what is like, what are we supposed to be doing with everything we have? Our technology, our, our high interests of, of, you know, space travel. I don't know. It's just, there's so much to think about of what we're supposed to do right now. And I I hate to be that person because I'm the person who my wife wants to go to space. She wants to go and colonize Mars with a bunch of people and stuff like that. And I'm like, have fucking fun. I don't know. I want to, I want to farm. I want to farm pot or I want to farm corn or something. I don't want to leave this place. I want to have a very rudimentary job because I'm fucking dumb. And I'm like, it took me 20 minutes to figure out how to work discord. Like right now I'm like, I'm surprised it's worked and I'm talking to you right now. I have no understanding of technology. If anything happened to this world, I'd be the person who's like, bro, I don't know. Let's just cut the grass and see what fucking happens after that. I don't know what to do. And you're always kind of in the person who's on the on the front of like I remember I came to visit you in Montreal and I remember I I came to see you and I was like fucking greasy dirty mohawk I had a fucking probably pube beard and I came to see you and I was like yo where's this guy and you're like oh I'm at my work I work at like kind of like a prestigious fucking college and I'm like let's go fucking see you and you're like the VP of finance and I'm like you and you have a cute little secretary and a couple computers I'm like this motherfucker but you've never lost who the fuck you were though <laughs> you've never I been like oh. 
I've, I've never been like, oh, Jordan's uh, way better than me because he has more knowledge of this and that. I've never had a, an issue with you being like that. So I find in this world of yeah. like crazy technology, there are still people who are grounded like yourself. That's why I kind of like if you weren't a person who was like grounded, like I'm on the wave of the future and you're just behind us and blah, blah, blah. Then I'd be like, this guy's a dick. But you've always been the person who knows what the fuck's going on, but you've never kind of mm-hmm. held it over people. You've always kind of informed well, me about stuff, you know? But but it's because it's because Kyla like I I see your intelligence, you know like you you like sure maybe you don't know Discord super well right but like your street smarts and your like practical intelligence was far higher than I had during you know that period of time and I would imagine probably working in a correctional facility like you. <laughs> Right. developed a very sophisticated form of intelligence around dealing with people that I probably could never reach in my life. Right. You know, I, I, I think I'm a respecter of that. Like we're all in this together, you know, like a little red yes. green esque. <laughs> I, I, Oh my God. I was going to say that's red green right there. We're all in this together. It's true. It's how it is. That's that's exactly it, and like, you know, Red Green Man, he 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 was speaking some deep truth uh, during those <laughs> during those formative years. Like I, I think that, you know, I, like I'm working. Okay, I haven't gotten too much into like what I'm working on out here uh, beyond my job. Like I have like a project, if, if you will, and. I just had like a really big talk today with, with one of my, with one of my roommates and like, we're all beautiful fingerprints of the human species. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are strong and we are weak in so many different areas. Right. right. Yeah. And some of those uh, strengths the current system of incentives that we live in will bring you to the top, you know, because of that particular strength that you have. Um, But for a sort of a holistic future, I think like all of the strengths need to be admired and, and, and respected and sort of nurtured. I like. I know. I'm starting to like tangent a little bit. Maybe not being like super clear about it. But no, it's I like, understand. I understand. You know. Okay, you're following me. I, yeah, like, yeah. I. You know, we we're <laughs> we're sitting in a moment where we are kind of all being divided mm-hmm. in a very large extent. I agreed. Yes. By various different forms of stuff, whether it's politics or YouTube or the internet or Reddit or whatever, like we're, we're ideologically being divided. And really at the end of the day, all we want is a good life. You know, like, like the white supremacists, sure. They're angry at different races. Sure. Right. But what do they really want? They want their kids to have a good life. You know, they want their, they want their kids to, grow up and be strong and have a beautiful couple of romances and then, you know, find a wife and somebody convinced them somewhere along the line that their child might not get that or, 
or they may lose access to some of those dreams because of a couple of immigrants who got sprinkled into the mix, you know? Um, yeah, I understand. It's like it, they're deep down. Everyone is the exact same. However, some people stray to some negative shit that they shouldn't have. But I mean, I think I know what you're saying. It's like no one wants to watch their family get destroyed and the world to burn. I think people do inherently want good shit to happen, whether they're ignorant about race or whatever or not. Like it's, I yeah. think no matter who you are, I, I think that deep down there is a, there's a human, there's a humanity. There's, yeah. There's a human level to everybody. Even if they could be like assholes and bigots and stuff like that. I hope they will change their opinions on things, but it's like, I don't think they're just like my world is to destroy uh, this race or this religion or this or that. It's like, there's no real full autonomy or whatever full force nature that they just i need to destroy everyone from this i don't think that's how it is i hope it's not i mean i could be fucking wrong though yeah you're totally right i could be wrong <laughs> i could be wrong i'm wrong about a lot I of need things to hope, i yeah. need to hope for the sake of humanity that we can like figure that shit out you know yeah it's I, really yeah. uh we're not gonna do it without it right like yeah. um do you know this guy, um, Paulo Freire? Mm. Paulo Freire? Okay, so I got like into like a whole bunch of like really obscure uh, sort of like social justice people at one point in my life. <laughs> okay. And uh, Paulo Freire is one of these guys. He's like, um, he was like, he wrote a book. Uh, he was from Brazil. I think he wrote a book called uh, The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Okay. Um, actually, I think he was like one of the earlier guys who um, really brought that idea of oppression as a concept to the forefront. Okay. He was like one of the earlier sort of sort of dudes about it. Right. Um, and he talks about this idea of so like we he, he talks about this idea that we as a, 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 a species is currently in what you could call sort of an epoch and an epoch is like a super long period of time okay. of dominance. Okay. okay. And like this value of dominance that we like need to control and we need to like coerce and we need to like keep contained everything. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and he basically points out that like all through humanity, this whole domination game that like our societies have been playing on each other for basically forever has never really been good for anyone. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, look at Vietnam, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, I understand. No, I <laughs> look at Vietnam. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's that just like one random, random idea, but sure. Yeah. I mean like, you know, every single time we've tried to, dominate one another we just you know somebody wins arguably yeah and then there's domination that you know persists for a period of time and then the other group who's being dominated takes a long time and then eventually figures out that they're being dominated and then fights back and then pushes to dominate that group that's dominating them and they either lose or and you know to great bloodshed or they win and then they start dominating the other group and then that group you know starts dominate you know being dominated and they 
realize they're being dominated for a while and then they forget that they're being dominated as they've had a couple of kids and then you know then those kids start to realize they're being dominated again and they find some opening and then they try and dominate that group again you know it's yeah no definitely i understand completely because there's there's actual just like history of countries that it's that just non-stop happens it's all over the world it's all over the world pretty much whole the whole pattern like you you point to anywhere in the world at all yeah and it's happened probably two to three times in the last 500 years it's you know if not more yeah it's it's funny because i have a friend who's from um he's from bosnia and okay. he, you know, he lived through the Bosnian and Serbian war. Like he lived in, I don't know, it was a Sarajevo, Sarajevo, Herzegovina. And he lived through this stuff. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I'm mean, like, you're a kid. And he's always, yeah. He's like, it's crazy. These guys attacked us for this and this and this. And I'm like, like, what, like, what was the reason? And he gave me the reason, but then he said, like, he said something to me and this could be right. Or it could be wrong. I don't want to butcher it. And people from this the Eastern Bloc are like, you fuck, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But he goes, well, 200 years ago, we did it to them. And now they're just getting it back to us. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, literally, it's like your war started because you guys have just been doing this. It's not like it was just randomly all of a sudden you guys just started killing each other. Something happened back in the day where you did it to them and, you, and they did it to you. And it goes back. You're just saying, like, it goes back. They have a couple of generations where it's like, hey, didn't these guys fuck with us like 100 years ago? Yeah, fuck these guys. Let's fucking take their shit over again, you know? <laughs> It's really the start of every fucking war. <laughs> you couldn't have you couldn't have given a better example. That's yeah, amazing. And I, I mean, once again, um, I could be wrong, but I remember he said that, and I'm just like, oh. So I'm like, and he goes, yeah, but 200 years ago they did it to us, and 100 years before that we did it to them, and he kept on going, and I'm like, oh, so this is just not like a thing where just randomly some douchebag decided to hit you with a bunch of batteries or something like that. It literally, he just you guys didn't like each other. Then you just kept on going and going and going until it got worse and worse and worse. And every year it's like, we're doing our thing this year. It's your, it's your thing next year. It's your thing next generation. I completely understand. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad. I get what you're saying. The, the division of this, it's like, I don't know how this is going to end. I think that's kind of what the point maybe you're getting to. Maybe I'm not. Well, well, it, it's like maybe if we take a, take a step back and look at the forest for the trees a little bit, we might recognize like, Hey guys, we need like a different pattern here. Yeah. And like, like I know, I, I know that I know the, like, you know, uh, uh, the danger of trying to be a pacifist is that obviously like the Machiavellian will kill you. Right. Right. Um, but I think that there needs to be like a, a happy medium mm-hmm. between that, right? Which is like, like you, you know, finding a way to defend yourself. Uh, uh, kind of setting boundaries, you know, like good healthy boundaries, uh, not borders, but right. good healthy boundaries. I think might be you know part of that solution. Um, <laughs> I wish the I wish the crux of this point was a little bit like more con, uh, coherent, but I I think that like we're when we're talking about a lot of this stuff, it's we're in the moment where we need to make up the next rules. Right. So I'm, I, I can't just like you know say exactly what we need to do in this next step. Here. Yeah, because it's you not know, it's not a thing yet. I understand. Yeah, to some degree. Yeah, like the right? the, like, op- the options are there, but it's just like, well, we haven't done this yet because every every year it's well, I'm a conservative, it's liberal, it's this, it's that, it's the same thing over and over again. The pattern has not changed, 
And I think it's like, we don't know what the next pattern needs to be, but we might have an idea, but if we try it, we could fail. But what's the, what's the option though? We either keep on doing the same thing and everyone hates everything that happens or we could change it. And and people might hate it, but people might like it. I don't know. That, I think that's the best, that's the best solution, Kyle. Like, I think (laughs) like we need need to experiment and we need to like, be given space to experiment, right? Like, I, I think like we don't have space to experiment, you know, like if you wanted to stop your job and say like, I don't know, be a farmer. Okay. Right. Yeah. You're subjected to all of the, uh, uh, baggage, let's call it of the system as it is right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you, uh, are going to have to get a giant loan. Right. Um, buy a, arguably overpriced piece of land, yeah. uh, you know, go into a market where you're competing against robots and, you know, tr- try to make a living at that. Right. And like, yeah. that is, you know, given the next 20 years and where uh, arguably robots are going, that's kind of a losing battle, you know, unless you're there feeding your family and yourself and like, you know, aspirations of like commercial grandeur are kind of a secondary thought. And, you know, maybe if you can make some, like, I don't know, (laughs) this is a a, a term we use at work all the time, bespoke, which just means like, (laughs) you heard this, you heard this. I I heard the word bespoke and I'm like, you douche. (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel so douche. No, but like, I completely, Uh, but I know what you're saying though. And it makes sense. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. But, but like that, that's the only way you could, you could ever get ahead. Right. Is be like, Oh, I've got these heirloom tomatoes, (laughs) you know, will you spend twice as much for them? You know, and and like, that's the only way you'd compete in this like garbage system that we got going on right now. Oh my God. Uh, (laughs) It's so true. As soon as you said, I'm just like, let me guess he's going to bring up heirloom tomatoes. It was was the, was the nail in the coffin right there. It makes, that's completely right. (laughs) Man. And, and, and so this is where I'm, I'm at is like, like we need some innovators, you know, like where, where's the, where's the fucking Jack Layton's of 2021. Oh my God. I miss him so much. Where like, do you know what I realized? It's so funny that I didn't realize this. Um, uh, and I'm going to just like butcher his name right now. I'm just going to Google it. So I don't sound like a total idiot. Cause I just can't think, <laughs> um, <laughs> Hold on. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yes. I think if I fake names, I, I say names and I'm like, oh shit, did I say that right? And I'm like, I think I said it right. And after I'm like, Who, I who's, hear. who's the who's the who's the king of socialized healthcare in Canada? Oh Christ, I don't fucking know. I feel like I should know. He he would. Oh, I got it. Tommy Douglas. Tom Douglas. Oh my god, I've never. I'm, I'm sure I've never even heard that name. I'm sure he comes up in like <laughs> Tommy Douglas. I'm sure okay, I, so, I get a million emails from him every day from some crap because I used to work in the medical field, but I, I can't think of him right now. No, 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 no. Tommy Douglas was like, uh, I'm just checking his, his shit right now. So he was alive from. Oh, he's like, dead. I was like, did he, did he email me yesterday? No, it's, he's dead. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Go ahead. He's been dead since 1986. So okay. he died a month before I was born. Okay. Uh, just to put it in context. Okay. Um, so uh, Tommy Douglas basically was like, and not to give him all the cred, because like I think that like there's a lot of fighters 
during that period of time that like helped him push forward uh, the agenda that he was pushing for. But like socialized government, like America always, you know, America always touts like, oh, socialized got medicine in Canada. So great. So great. Right. Mm, I, I understand um, the I understand the, the discourse of that. But yeah, I understand what you're saying about normal people. Um, being being really the leaders that sort of helped him. I, I, why, why I'm saying that is like I kind of get like a little irked when somebody's like, you know, oh, Martin Luther King Jr. You know, he 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 built the whole civil rights movement, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, he was a very important figure in the civil rights movement. But there was like probably, I don't know, 3000 people who were very actively involved and like brought his name to the forefront, uh, you know, and without them. And like, really, we should honor them as much as we honor Martin Luther King Jr. Agreed. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, I said agreed. I agree with you. We should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, the whole reason is like Tommy Douglas, uh, who I'm from Saskatchewan. He was a Saskatchewan premier of Saskatchewan from like 1944 to 1961. And he basically pushed socialized healthcare across Canada, right. which like... Um, I would love pushback from anyone who is listening. If there's anyone about why socialized medicine sucks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Obviously these, these, you know, I think that there has been a very large attack from the private sector on private, uh, sorry, public medicine over the last, uh, probably 50, 60 years. Okay. Yeah. Actually probably even longer than that. Right. Um, and now he's reached the point where I, I, I'm kind of worried in Canada that we're sliding into a bit of an American situation okay. where private healthcare is now being one both subsidized by the Canadian government and two uh, is kind of like extracting value from the social system. Uh, and where am I going with this? I, 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 I'm worried about these leaders. Where are these leaders? You know, where are these people who are, you know, not letting us slide into Google's, you know, hand and control into Amazon's hand and control. Yeah. You know, we, we, we don't really have any. (laughs) I know. I know what you're saying. Um, um, so like, what's, what's your, like, well, how do I say this? What's your, like, take on this? Like, what do you think should be going on instead? Like, what's, what's your solution? What do you think a solution is? If it's not just your solution, but someone else had an idea for it, what do you think is like the next thing? I mean, it's so multifaceted. Um, there's so many, there's so many like layers to it. I think that it's like a really complicated thing to be like, here's the exact solution. Oh, you know what? You're um, right. Yeah. But, there's no, it's, it's a gray area for sure. You can't just be like, it's this yeah. or it's that it's not, it's, it's a million things that have to go one way and another at the same time. And it's not going to work always, yeah. but it has to work to some degree. Uh, for sure. I think I can give you some thoughts though on, on sort of how I see it. Um, one, I think that, we are we are as a country 
Okay, no, actually, maybe that's not the best one to start with. Uh, no, I think that that's fair. I think it's fair. So we as a country are sliding into a more and more privatized system. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah. And it's a slide. Okay? And I have a bunch of examples if you want. Um, we we used to be a very socialized, socialist country, arguably. Uh, and we have definitely been sliding in that direction. Okay? Okay. A great example, I think, that is super relevant, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, is we used to have a national vaccine clinic. Uh, 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 um, I'm going to get the name here. National uh, Vaccine Canada. So Canada used to be um, a very strong vaccine creator. Okay. Which is a hilarious twist. I'm I'm not going to be able to pull this information up off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, Vaccine... Uh, old vaccine, national vaccine. Uh, okay. So I'm not gonna be able to remember this, but you're just going to have to trust me on this thing. And then you can like, look it up later if you want. Okay. 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 So like back in the eighties, we used to have a national vaccine R and D group. Okay. Okay. And this, this R and D group basically created like some pretty important vaccines during like, you know, uh, you know, but I don't actually know which vaccines they made, but we we had some we had some strength in Canada, you know, um, and the privatization powers essentially said, hey, guys, we can do vaccines better because we're capitalist. And so let's make vaccines for you. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, so Canada being indoctrinated, or sorry, um, seduced by this money, uh, said, okay, you take over at private sector because you're clearly better at stuff than us public people, right? Okay. And uh, fast forward 30 years, 40 years maybe, okay? We're now sitting in a situation where Canada can't fucking get any vaccines, because we have no capacity to one research and develop them in Canada, very little, if any. I haven't actually heard of anyone who's claimed that Canada has any capacity to do so, <laughs> um, and we can't manufacture any of them. But forty years ago, we were like a world leader. You yeah, know yeah. what? What happened there? <laughs> Capitalism. Uh, you know, not to not to point the, the finger at capitalism completely, but I'm what I'm more pointing at is that like we're sliding into privatization, and privatization is promising the moon, but when you really come down to brass tacks, and we now see the relevance of of you know what does private healthcare offer us? Right. Our experience in Canada right now is what private health cares offer us. And for anyone listening, if you want to, <laughs> if you, if you like how the vaccine rollouts have gone, support private healthcare, you know, because, mm-hmm. because that's, <laughs> they're really at the heart of this whole thing. Anyway, sorry. 
I'll, no. I'll let you have a moment. No, no, that's and it's it's fine. I'm just wondering, um, because you know we say you say we live in like it's so funny because I I don't talk politics much because I'm fucking dumb, um, and I grew up. It's funny because I grew up, I grew up in a very um, uh, equal to household of you know liberal and per, and conservative. Um, yeah. Figures like I have a grandfather who was a very prominent um, conservative who like ran for you know for office of Canada and stuff like that. It's yeah, it's I have a really it's weird history that I have, but it's it's not that I'm like oh well I'm completely conservative. I also grew up in a household of very liberal values. And I've always taken that. And the socialist healthcare to me, it's like I've worked in the healthcare system, but I don't play a factor. I don't play a role in the sense of like, well, I agree with this and I agree with that. Canada is a very weird system because we are a capitalist system. We are like people say like, oh, well, only America is a capitalist and capitalism sucks. It's like capitalism exists almost in every goddamn country to a degree. In China, exactly. The United the United States is the only one. Canada does too. It's like BlackBerry was one of the biggest fucking things Canada ever had, and they made you know billions of dollars. That's capitalism, motherfuckers. But it's like we're saying like about oh, the Avril Arrow. Exactly. It, 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 we have a million things. Like what, what was the disease that we disco- we we cured one of the diseases? What the fuck was it? There's a there's a professor from U of T who discovered something and it was like was it insulin? Oh god, I can't remember. Fuck, I'm stupid. Um, very me. It's like he he. It's possible. Was it sorry? It's very possible. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's like we. It's like this guy from Toronto, uh, U of T, like discovered I think insulin or uh, something like discovered. I mean the use of insulin or smallpox or something like that, and he had this major thing and. You know, we look back and go, Canada, oh no, we've always been socialist and we just want people to have free. But socialism in different countries and socialized medicine is very different in so many countries. I don't know if you've ever been to Cuba before. Um, I have. Oh, yeah, Cuba. And Cuba's a great place, but it's very weird in a sense. Like, everyone is poor. And I'm not saying, like, you know, hey, lots of people are poor in this country. No, everyone is, like, not making good money. And if they're making money, it's because they're making money off tourists and, like, tips and stuff like that. But the government of socialized medicine, like, if you work as a, if you want to go to school as a doctor in Cuba, they'll pay for it. Oh, my God, you could learn all this stuff for free and we'll pay for it. No big deal. But you're getting paid the same amount as a person who hauls garbage. For sure. So it's like socialized medicine is not, I'm not saying it's wrong. I, I'm really happy that we have um, free healthcare here and we get taxed for it. And that's, but that's the thing. It's like nothing's free. You can never say like, oh, healthcare is free. No, it isn't. Nothing is fucking free. But in the sense of like, I'm not going to be in debt for having a child or uh, having a surgery on my fucking thumb or something like that. I, I kind of understand how that's a benefit of socialized healthcare. But there's definitely some big issues with socialized healthcare. And my wife is like, she tells me all the time because she's a nurse. She's like, I see firsthand on how private sector might work better. And like, I'm not trying to like push back on you and being like, oh, um, you know, you're. Oh, no, you're, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I and but I can I can agree with both sides. And it's like I wish it's like to me it's like you should have the option of private healthcare. Or you should have, you know, if, if you're too, you know, if you can't afford um, private health care or uh, sorry, um, yeah, private health care, you go with the public health care. And it just sucks because it's like, well, that means it's going to be worse. And I hate that's the fact. But I mean, that's sometimes I think how it needs to go. If something's free, it's just not going to be good. And I, I bring up Cuba once again, where it's like you can learn anything in Cuba. You go to school for free. But it's like, what are you learning? They don't have the Internet in Cuba. I've been there more recently than like a couple of years ago. And like you can only get the Internet in like some places and you can't access every website. And it's like, what are you really learning? Are you learning what they want you to learn? 
want to teach you or like are you reading about what's really going on like if you're a doctor in cuba are you really qualified to work as a doctor here well it's free healthcare. it's like yeah but you are also like a communist kind of society so you are kind of dictating what people need to learn like do they have ct yeah. machines in cuba i don't know I, maybe they do i mean it seems like they would have something like that okay, okay. But- so two, two really important points that i i just want to like also friendly pushback. On. Sure. I mean, I'm, so, I'm not, I never die on these hills, by the way. So you'd never offend me on this. <laughs> our, your wife is probably accurate that the private healthcare can do something better. Yeah. Uh, but there's a really important factor in that conversation that I think needs to be brought up, which is that private healthcare gets subsidies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. You know, tax credits, uh, they're able to work through tax loopholes, right? So so they're essentially extracting mm, public value, right? That's what taxes are that goes through the public value system. Right. And they're pulling that value into their their thing, right? Which then gives people who are willing to pay for it, which are, you know, richer people, yeah. the ability to give access to these nicer things that your your wife is talking about, right? Which is totally, you know, expected when there is value being extracted from the public system, arguably, which could have gone to the public healthcare system. Uh, it's being extracted into the private healthcare system. Right? Yeah, it's very subtle. Let me let me just sorry, let me um, let me just preface something too. I, I meant to say I'm not trying to like speak for my wife. I could be completely wrong on how she phrased this because I clearly I'm a I'm a husband. I don't listen anymore to what no, she says. Um, this is what she, what she said is very like. Yeah, I don't accurate, think she means like sad. she wants private sectors just, to pay for it. I'm I think she wants the government to pay more money. Sorry, sorry. No, I was gonna say like I don't think I'm 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 kind of giving her the the credit. I'm not saying she's like it needs to be privatized. She knows that the government is is probably is probably the best solution for things. But I think what you're saying is like they need, they're getting government subsidies and I agree. So it's like, I think she thinks it's not just like, uh, I really wish she was on the podcast because she has a way better explanation. I think I'm pulling this crap out of my ass because I feel like I listened to her, but I didn't. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. So it's like, I you think, get her, yeah, she wants more, on there yeah, she wants more money um, in the healthcare system as long as it's like meritoriously the way it needs to be. And clearly it's like, that's what everyone wants. But of course that's not how it goes. Like, I, well, I think everyone should have free healthcare. I agree. Oh, everyone should have the best healthcare. Yeah, I agree. But you can't have maybe both is maybe kind of what I think she's trying well, to say. It's well, like an easy one way or the other or uh, both. No, my but push, My pushback that to that is though, like if I'm paying taxes, okay. Yeah. Right. I personally want my taxes to support the public system okay yeah however the way the system is created the private healthcare system benefits from my tax dollars by having tax loopholes having certain tax uh certain um healthcare subsidies that are available to them um essentially it's like my contribution to the whole is being extracted by the few. That's really what's happening with the private system and why I'm so concerned about it. I can respect that. Because it will obviously make them a better system. They'll be able to pay their nurses better. They'll be able to pay their, you know, their attendants better because they're extracting this public pot for private or, or, or use, right? This is kind of, this is kind of like my, 
my bigger concern with this like larger trend that I'm I'm getting at here. I, I don't know if that makes more sense. Like this is not I'm not trying to like also um, say that what your wife is saying is wrong. I'm more trying to frame very clearly for anyone who might be listening to this that this is what's happening to our healthcare system. Right. And that if you care about your healthcare, whether it's your wife or anyone, we should all be aware that our money that we pay in taxes is going to small, you know, rich people, uh, uh, individual rich people. I'm sure she would agree with you more than my point. Like I'm trying, I think I said, I I spoke for her, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure I botched what she said because she's way more articulate with what she wants because she knows better than I do about the situation. So I'm sure she looks at you and she goes, yeah, that's probably what I think she agreed with, not with what I said. I'm just, I'm trying to paraphrase more or less. So yeah, I I, I understand what you're saying. I'm not against that at all. Okay. And, And the other thing about Cuba, okay, is that like, Cuba is in a lot of problems, okay? They got a lot of problems. No, they don't. Okay? They're perfect. <laughs> you know what their biggest problem is? They're being economically sanctioned the shit out of by America. Oh, uh, yeah, okay? with the embargo. Yeah, they fucked their whole country up forever. <laughs> well, this is the whole thing. So it's like, it's when you go to Cuba and when you see a bunch of socialist poor people. Yeah. Right. The easy culprit to point at. And like, I'm not a communist. I'm arguably not even a socialist, but I just need to push back on these ideas just a little bit generally, because there's often a lot of like nuance that's like missed in a lot of these greater conversations in that. Definitely. Cuba is literally being extorted heavily by America. Okay. They're so close to America. I mean, it's so easy for America. They can just like, they're just shitting on Cuba and shooting Cuba's despite all of America's shitting on <laughs> is thriving as much as we see. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, they give free boob jobs. Did you know that? <laughs> I've never heard that, but I can, I can see that because everyone in, in Cuba is hot. My, my wife and I, we went there. We're like, why is everyone in Cuba? Like gorgeous. You know, there's some sexy Cubans. There's, like, it's like even Absolutely. the grandmas. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm down. Let's fucking do this. <laughs> I don't need rum or nothing. I'm down. Let's just go. <laughs> totally. totally. So so like so like you know, um, you know, everyone shits on Cuba. Uh, everyone shits on another great example of this is Venezuela. Okay, right. Venezuela is so fucked up. Don't get me wrong. They're very fucked up. They've got like terrible political problems. Um, Maduro is probably a piece of shit. Uh, you know, he's probably taking advantage of all of his people. But America's got their fucking greasy hands so deep up that guy's fucking ass right now. Like, how can he possibly be a good ruler? You know, like, like it, it, it's such a complicated scenario. Um, and obviously we get the North American framing, which is that we're, you know... Maduro is a piece of shit and Guaido's that, you know, would have saved the thing, but you know, he got crushed anyway. I understand. I understand completely. That's like, that's what happened with Libya with the Gaddafi. It's like America was tired that like America put him in power. Then they got tired of him. I can't remember. They didn't, he didn't follow some sort of sanctions or something like that. And like, Oh fuck this guy. Let's turn the government against them. And then you know, sure enough, they pull him out of a pipe and stick a knife up his ass. 
So it's like right. America, if they don't like what you're doing with a country that they basically paid for, I don't mean this in a way like Libya couldn't pay for their own stuff, but like, let's be real. America pays for a lot of fucking countries to thrive to a certain degree. And then when they, like, we can't even deny this. I mean, America's friended, befriended uh, Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden. Like they worked for America for so long. And then I was like, okay, we're not, we're tired of your bullshit now. Fuck you guys. That's America. Right. So Venezuela is probably no different. <laughs> Well, that, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I mean, have you ever heard of, um, you ever heard of the book of the confessions of a economic hitman? Hmm. Con- confessions, confessions of an economic hitman. Yeah. Yeah. This book is super important. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, John Curtis, uh, confessions of an economic hitman. So, so basically, uh, this ex-CIA agent basically writes this book after he retires and his will is able to talk about it. Where, no, actually, he's may not be from the CIA. Where is he? Uh, shit. I, I got to do more research before these, these calls, I guess. <laughs> well, it's the first um, time we had it. So I'm like, do your research, bro. Go <laughs> ahead. It's okay. <laughs> of, of stuff you don't know you're going to be talking about yet. <laughs> I'm um, so, I'm so, so ignorant on this stuff book. too. So it's like, uh, like, yeah, you're right. Ooh, bro. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I just like, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to speak my truth, you know, like this is, this is my truth for sure. Um, so there is a, uh, concept like i think it's called like economic imperialism or something along these lines okay and it's like a really um devastating tactic that countries can use uh to dominate other countries okay uh basically it's like um hey kyle's country uh i hear you want a port um, to sell us your oil, right? Yeah. This, this is like kind of speaking in Venezuela's terms. Um, I hear you want a port uh, in, in to sell us your oil. Uh, why don't we give you a loan and then you can sell us your oil? Um, and then they, <laughs> and then they uh, know you're never going to sell that pay that loan back. Right. Right. And then they kind of can be like, well, you know, what you could pay us with is oil <laughs> at a decreased cost. Right. Okay. And and so you basically create these like, um, economic extraction mechanisms in which you can, uh, extract natural resources from poor countries, uh, by tricking them into taking on, uh, loans that they can't, you know, that, that like arguably the, the corrupt political heads will, you know, gain advantage from personally, but like for the country, it will just like really fuck them up. Okay. Right. Um, China's doing this now. Uh, you know, the belt and road initiative. No. Belt and road. No, I'm not sure what that is. Okay, <laughs> you're like you fucking dummy <laughs> you brought me on and i'm like eight eight whiskeys deep now <laughs> that's, um, that's why i like it man so we've had conversations bro don't worry <laughs> okay good uh so um 
yeah, China came up with this like Belt and Road Initiative, which is like a a economic uh, game plan for uniting the uh, economic systems of a whole bunch of different countries uh, in their region. And uh, they gave a bunch of loans to a bunch of these countries, including Australia, uh, who very recently rejected their loan because they realized what it was going to mean for them. You can look it up. It's a thing. Um, Basically, like it just happened like last week. Last week, they rejected it. Okay. Um, but they, they'd already like agreed to it, but now they see how like China might be um, trying to be slightly coercive in their economic mm. strategies. No, get out of town. Not them. <laughs> What's going on in the past? Like fucking like two years. It's like, no, they're good. Nah, everyone trusts these people now. I don't mean, I don't mean trust these people uh, as in China, trust as in pol- politicians. I'm not saying Chinese people. Sorry. That probably sounded bad. These people, I didn't mean it like that. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think, I think there's a very important, distinction to be made like i love chinese people i know a lot of chinese people and i love them they're so nice they're so um gregarious they make amazing food they're very talented and you know good at whatever they do yeah okay there is a governance body that overruns china and that is the group that i have the problem with Completely. That's Personally. that's exactly how America is too. I think I think people look at America and they go, "Oh, it's run by these old white guys." And it's like, it's not run by old white guys. It's run by old fucking politicians who happen. I'm not saying it's like not white. I'm just saying in general, it's like I think you're pretending it's something that it's not. Like we're not the same as politicians. No one's the same as. I think politicians are all fucking whack. And people who try to run everything the way you're saying with China and the states and Canada, there's no one different. I don't look at these people as a race art at this point. I look at them as fucking political nut jobs or fucking douchebags or people who are really just trying to get everything they want. And it kind of just fucks everyone over and puts all us all onto like, we need to hate these people because of this. Yeah. And, and in a weird way, like I, like I totally agree with what you're saying. Like I agree that like these um, these people are framing things as if they are the saviors in a way. Yeah. And in a weird way, I think they believe they are. Definitely. I think they think so right. hard in their lies that they're just like, this has to be it because they've convinced themselves it's not so much their lies, right? Like it's it's even more more like gray than that in okay. terms of like black and white versus gray. Okay. So like okay, um, Xi Jinping, okay, who is the leader of China, he sees China over the last hundred years, okay? Right. Um. No, 200 years, 200 years. Okay. Okay. China, funny story, used to be a world power. Okay. Definitely. Um, Mongolians, you know, the Mongolians, those people, uh, how dare they? Yeah, I know they are. <laughs> also, also uh, world power. Okay. Yeah. Um, for a period of time. Right. Well, look at Genghis um, Khan. Doesn't he have like, didn't he kill a percentage of like, the earth that changed the carbon footprint of all humankind? <laughs> and basically like 30% of the world is like under his, gen- it's like his genome is like under his. 
Totally, totally. It's crazy. They're um, the worst superpower. I understand that. I mean, maybe more recently than that. That's the only thing I could think of, though, when it comes to manga. Anyway, just continue, continue. No, 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 but that's that's exactly like where I'm getting at. Is is like so. China, China used to have like a large scale amount of power, you know, during their dynasties that they had going on or whatever. And then at one point they lost a whole bunch of power. Okay. In the global, global scheme of things. Right. Um, and they call this the, uh, is it the era or the century I think it's a century of humiliation. Okay. Okay. So basically China as like a culture feels as it's being described to me by like various different pundits that I've like heard of and listened to over these years. Um, they've been humiliated by the last hundred years where America and, and UK arguably have taken over control of actually it was first UK and then now it was America took control over the the planet essentially, right? Yeah. Um, if you if you look back, you know, back uh, pre nineteen forties, essentially, the UK was the global power, right? Of course, like they were. You know, Australia is basically where they put UK prisoners, right? Uh, like all these things, the the globe is just basically UK's like garbage dump oh they got their fingers in everyone's do. fucking pie man like india fucking parts of africa yeah, exactly. middle like it's, it's exactly. england's exactly. england's here we're we're canadian we're fucking we're we're fucking uh what's it called commonwealth that's who we are we're all british people to a degree that's exactly it we're we're that that's right there we're we're that yeah um but then but then we broke away and then america has now taken hold clearly of the planet and is like number one right so uh, China is now sitting in a situation where for maybe the last 30 years under Xi, you know, he looks at his history and he's looking at like what China was and now is like, what could China be? Right. And, right. and they are now working towards, you know, uh, uh, a strong China that pushes past the weaknesses that it experienced during those last hundred years. Right. And I, I think that that's um, kind of where they're headed right now. Do you feel, you know? the, do you uh, feel that the coronavirus has kind of put a damper on their, um, they're kind of like, I'm not saying like their takeover of the world, but I, I mean that in like a colloquial sense, obviously, I mean, maybe financially as well, but do you think the coronavirus has kind of put a damper on a lot of things for them? Absolutely not. No, I think it's been a uh, support for what they are hoping to do. Um, a funny, I, I, I know we're not doing graphs, but you should look up uh, 2020 uh, GDP per country. Uh, and you should look at the only one who had a positive GDP in 2020. Okay, I'm looking it up. Do I go Wikipedia or... Uh, Investopedia. I'm just double checking in here. Because right now I have U.S. as the top, China, Japan, Germany, UK, and yeah, India. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So okay. United States, it's so funny. Like, look at that. United States puts themselves first. Yeah. Ah, that's so funny. <laughs> GDP per capita. 
Okay, so they're they're organizing this chart by per capita. Right. I don't know if I can send this to you. Um, yeah, if you, if you send it on Discord, <laughs> I could see it, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't okay, know how okay. to use Discord, so I'm <laughs> be like, I don't know how this works. Um, let me just send this to you. So, so it's so funny how they organize things. Okay, I see um, it. yeah, here we go. So it's GDP per capita is sixty five thousand in in America, but the annual growth is actually two only two point two percent. But when you look at actually who won, it's China. Right. Look at 6.1%, 6.1% growth. I see it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so so really from an economic perspective, and, and there's an argument that they may fudge their numbers to some degree, um, but really they didn't get hurt by it at all. And like, you know, I, I don't know if you know like the Falun Gong or whatever. No. Are you familiar with them? No. They run like a few like YouTube propaganda channels like uh, NDT, um, uh, they do like uh, the Epoch Times as a newspaper. Okay. Um, they're kind of a cult. It, it like it, it's weird, but they're like they're also, you know, they've got a weird cult leader who's like arguably a weird dude. But uh, the people who live there, they're great people. Like the Falun Gong as a people are great people. Okay. Um, and they are uh, really struggling, let's say, to push back against China right now. I think because one, either the guru of the Falun Gong is scared of China, like China gaining control over like the space that he's in and thus like killing him or whatever. Um, or uh, he argues and the group argues that the Falun Gong are being harvested. Their organs are being harvested by the Chinese government Jesus. for money, essentially, which is like, how is that a thing? Like, how is that a fucking thing, though? You know, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying, how is that a fucking thing? And like, won't you? Yeah. Like, do they harvest like one organ, and you're like, okay, like, hey, I took one of your kidneys, and then you're still don't they just harvest everything? Why wouldn't you? Well, I, I mean, they probably harvest the whole body. Okay, but I yeah. mean, like, if you could say, for example, have a living person harvest one of their lungs, right. you arguably could keep them alive and have them living off one lung. Right, you know, like that would be a possible thing to do. I think uh, you could live off one lung, yeah, for sure. You could live off some organs not being in your body. I don't know how the quality of life would be. But yeah, it's yeah, possible. but uh, <laughs> but um, this is their propaganda, and and I I don't want to I don't want to like pin China on this either. Like I don't know one way or another if this is like true or not. Right. Um, I think that there is a weird situation going on with these Uyghurs. Uh, and it's unclear what the situation is. Like, obviously, the North American parties want uh, everyone to believe that China's like fucking with these Uyghurs. And China wants everyone to believe they're not fucking with these Uyghurs. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's got to fall somewhere in the middle, right? So China's probably kind of fucking with the Uyghurs, but like 
America's also taking that information of the slight fucking and like exacerbating it. But I don't know. You know, I, I like I can understand I sit that, here. Though, yeah. and Sorry, I can understand that completely. You said like these guys are fucking with them. These guys are kind of pretending on the side, like, hey, you know, they're fuck, they're they're making it worse. They're extravagant, extravagant. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna say. Yeah, making this more of like a thing. Like it's more of like a, a main source to get someone to believe that they're the right ones or America is on top of the shit and we're telling you the exact truth. Whereas like, well, you're sensationalizing everything, as you do, as exactly. Americans do. Exactly. I can understand that completely. That's exactly. It. <laughs> and and so we're stuck, obviously as Canadians, we're stuck as being like America's hat and trying to figure out, you know, <laughs> what's real and what's not, which we probably will never do. And so we can only kind of hedge our bets and be like, you know, America's fucked. China's fucked. You're all fucked, you know? And, and that's, that's kind of, you know, where, I find myself right now. And this all goes back to Rutger Bergman's utopia of the horizon. Like, right. where are we going with this? You know, I know that's also a question that applies to like the tangents that I'm going on, but also, <laughs> no, it's, but also, it's a fair point because it's like, I think you're just, you know, I'm, I'm ignorant on a lot of these things, but I think just in general, no matter what, even facet of life we look at this is the exact same thing we we see everywhere there's just conflicting opinions on everything uh be it covid or economics or whatever it's like everything is either true not true somewhat true or sensationalized to be either or like it's like this is exactly how this goes and it's like you can't think otherwise or else you're racist or you're sexist or you're bigoted or you're this or that everything has to be sensationalized no matter what like i never think that china as a country is trying to fuck us over it's not chinese people who are fucking us over or african people or middle eastern people it's never the people it's usually the fucking government which yeah make up the government people like you know the government's not like an autonomous robot that kills people people have to do these things in general but i just feel it's just these superpower people not just countries like you can't even say that china and canada and like you know justin trudeau and i I don't you said the the who's the president or the emperor of china they're not in bed together to some degree of course they fucking are but we're the ones who have to hash it out in the fucking battlefield all the time has right. nothing to do with them. They don't go to war with each other. We have to go to war with them to prove that either we're right or they're right or whatever in between. And it's never a solved case. It's always just like, as we said before, it's like, well, we won this round, but in two years, they're going to win the next round. And then it goes on and on and on until we just, until we either blow ourselves up. And I don't mean that like literally, I just mean like to the point where government and economics and finance no longer work or compete on a level. And we're just basically run down to like fucking monkeys who, you know, pick corn and stuff like that. And that's nothing wrong with picking corn. I'm not going to shit on farmers, but you know what I'm saying? Just like a generic person where we no longer look at these tribal wars against giant ass countries that for some reason we have to follow because the douchebag in charge is the one telling us what to do. I don't believe it. And like, I think that like we, we do have to worry about uh, how much explosion power everybody's got. Oh, yo, and I don't you mean, know? I don't mean like we should like, just like forget it, but it's just like, if it wasn't for these higher up people, we wouldn't be in the situation where we need to like look out for this stuff. Oh, China sent out coronavirus yeah. to kill us all. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? 
No, absolutely. Absolutely. Like it's, it's this endless, it's this endless arms race. Yeah. Let's put this in, put us in the situation where, you know, everybody, all the major powers think they need to keep dominating. We're all sitting here being arguably, you know, the flesh buffers of whatever decisions they ultimately make flesh buffers. Right? I like both this flesh, flesh econ- buffers. Yes. I like that both from an economic and a physical standpoint, right? Like we may not die, but like, you know, a funny, you know, a funny fact. Okay. Good. So like China, China's got some debt problems. And if they were to like pull out the rug, you know how like almost everything you buy on Amazon comes from China. I, I do because it's just a pandemic. My wife has ordered like a billion goddamn things and everything's from China. So yes, I do understand what you're talking about. <laughs> That's exactly it. So, so it, it's not that it's not that China would not like hurt from North America, just like cutting China off. Yeah. But the funny thing is, so, so you're familiar with this concept of inflation, right? Definitely. Yes. I am aware of that. <laughs> the, the price of things going up right. basically in like, you know, not so many words. So China in its strategy around mercantilism has been one of the most deflationary, one of the most deflationary forces in our global society for a very long time. Right. Okay. So the reason you can buy a chair for 1495 on Amazon is because of China. Right. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. So, so China actually holds this crazy power where if they were like, you know what? We're not going to buy anything or we're not going to sell you anything anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden we're now sitting in a situation where all those Chinese chairs that we purchased for 1495 or whatever. Right are now being having to be made by, you know, what other country can you think of? Maybe India, maybe India, maybe um, America, maybe Canada. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the price of that chair being made in Canada? At least three to India? five times the amount. Uh, Jordan, is it? Can you stay on for one minute? I have to do something for like two minutes. Can you just hang on for like, just chill for a second? Yeah, yeah. Okay, give me one second, buddy. I'll be back. I'm going to go pee. All right, I'm good. Sorry about that. No, no sweat at all. Husband and dad stuff sometimes has to go down. And I'm like, ah, shit. And you're, you're doing... You're doing the most important work. Yeah. I think having, it's a good is I think probably some of the most important shit you can possibly do these days. <laughs> I think I'm like I think of that Bill Burr joke where he's just like, Motherhood is the hardest job in the world. He's like, is it? Is it really? <laughs> you put an Elmo DVD in, you make a grilled cheese, it's the hardest job in the world. <laughs> the hood? <laughs> What do you mean? Oh, no, it was just like, it was just a joke where he says, like, being a, being a mother is like the hardest job in the world. And he goes, you ever see people on an oil rig? That's a pretty hard fucking job. 
right. Arguably, it's harder than putting an Elmo DVD into like a DVD player and making a grilled cheese for a kid. I mean, that's that is parenthood in a sense. Like, I wake up, I play with my son. He's fuck my my kid's like 15 months old, so he's like he runs around and bites people and stuff. He's he's awesome. I love him. It's amazing. <laughs> he just he just rolls. I more mean that like you know uh, rigorism. comes with a certain difficulty for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like it's tough to be on the rigs and like doing the rig work without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, but there's not a lot of, um, let's call it like primal emotional work that needs to be done. Yeah. Right. Like you're gonna have to deal with your kid. Like, I don't know maybe dealing with bullies or maybe being a bully or, you know, uh, what other complicated emotional situations could a child run into? Well, just eventually they're going to have to like fall in love. Heaven forbid. Right. Yeah. And like, you have to be around during that whole period of time, which is like, you know, I don't think any rigor, I mean, very few riggers are probably, you know, emotionally excited to manage. <laughs> well, I, I think the the biggest thing is I can think of my job, like my job is hard. Like when I go to work every day, it's like, okay, I have to deal with this. I have to deal with that. It's very, it's very, um, it's very complicated in lots of different emotional, mental, physical sort of ways. But the thing is though, if like, if I need to walk away from my job, if I need to like, just say, listen, I need to take like a five minute break. Can someone just watch where I'm doing or what I'm doing? Sure. No problem. Or it's like, Hey, listen, in the, in the most dire situations, I fucking quit. If I say something like that, okay, then I can walk away from my job. Same as like an oil rig guy. It's like, Hey, I got to do all this, you know, pipe management. All the fuck they do. They attach things to a chain and a rig. Sure. But it's like, if you're just like, you know what? I'm done with this crap. Fucking leave me alone. The thing with a kid is like, you, there's there's no, like, I want to sleep in today. Like, Hey, I'm going to sleep in. My kid has to, my kid's up and he's like, I need to change his diaper. He needs food. He needs to like, you know, walk. He needs to be a kid. He can't just be like in his bed and I leave him alone for 20 hours. Like he needs, he's a kid now. He needs to get up and do shit. And you know, he has to to make food for him. No, that, that, and that's it. Like you, otherwise he gets those like weird bed sores where he's got like <laughs> his head all, his head, hair all burnt, worn down, you know? <laughs> it's so true. It, it's exactly. And it, it's just the case where it's like, like right now, if my work calls me and they're like, we need you to come in, I'll be like, um, politely go fuck yourself. Like I will come in if I need to, but I, I don't need to really because I'm at home right now. There's no, nothing that really needs my attention. But if my kid wakes up right yeah. now, I could be like, nah, he'll be fine. I'll come back in the morning when my shift as a parent starts. It's like my shift runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So that's like the only kind of part that's like kind of weird and emotionally taxing but that's but i mean everyone's done it like we're all we were all babies me and you were babies and our parents were probably like oh this little fucking shit's awake again <laughs> you know like he needs a fucking totally. boob or he needs a fucking sandwich or some shit like that it's like we're just oh, we need shit we need people to fucking feed us and take care of us until we're old enough to feed ourselves right yeah yeah so so i i um i i have a weird sort of tangent for you then sure um so there's an african proverb (laughs) that says it takes a village 
Have you heard of this before? To, like, to raise a child. To raise, yeah. yeah, yeah. To raise a child, yeah. Sorry, I missed the second part of that. <laughs> I've heard it before, yeah. Um, yeah, and and I, I have a really good friend of mine from Montreal who um, he has a child, and he and his wife were basically taking care of it for the first, like, I think it was like six maybe seven months of their life taking care of, of it. That <laughs> okay. And then, and then they uh, brought in a friend and then they brought in their mother into basically the same household. Okay. And like the quality of life difference between pre new people and post new people seems like honestly night and day. Right. You know, and like, like literally night and day. And it, you know, going back to this whole thing about like um, how America doesn't really let their mothers like have any sort of uh, parental leave. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, what do they call it again? Uh, maternity leave. <sighs> maternity leave. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, they don't get. They don't really get any leave. So, so they're sitting there. Um, you know, in a pretty stressed out spot. And then obviously whatever support they have is also maybe living in a equally stressed out, you know, financial position potentially. Sure. Right? Yeah. For Which sure. is like majority, majority of Americans. I'm, I know I'm putting this on Americans, but like, I think it, the idea, the pattern applies to Canadians too. Like Western culture is, that I think like, is kind of what you're going for. Like Western, Western culture. Is yeah. Great way to put it. Great way to put it. Yeah. I, I think that we could, you know, why don't we have more old people helping with our children? You know? Right. And not to say that we should like employ old people to like help with the children, but I'm like the, the whole familial structure had a purpose, you know? And, and I'm going back to this. We, we've been ripping it down for like a really long time. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm an advocate for like, let's all get back together. You know, right. let's all, let's all like, you know, if you had a farm, Kyle, and I, you were like, hey, I have a farm, Jordan, and I have a kid, you know, come help my kid be a farmer. I'd be like, Kyle, I'm totally one going to be a farmer. And two, I would totally help support, you know, your uh, spawn. <laughs> uh <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, uh, you know, becoming strong in the world, right? Right. But our society doesn't really like support that. It's like everybody's got to be an individual. And we all got to be like, well, I'm going to make my own thing. Like, like it's like a you know, a trophy that I shine up in my in my shining lobby on a regular basis. Right. You know. Yeah. And I'm gonna like make sure that it's all perfect and mine, and I'm gonna helicopter the shit out of it so that it's like. It's just perfect, you know? And then, like, that poor kid is like, I'm so unperfect, because we all are, yeah. right? And then, and then it, it, you know, it's going to develop all sorts of neurosis. Anyway, okay, I'm going too far down the tangent. I know what you're you saying. I know what back. you're saying. Of course. You're not wrong, though. You're not wrong of, of what you're saying. And it's, to me, it almost feels like in this wave of the future, it's like people profit off their kids. And there's a case in point. There's a show that my wife and I watch because my like we don't watch TV. My son watches TV. I don't watch. You know, we put on Treehouse TV, and it's 
fucking, I don't know, the Wiggles and stuff like that. And there's a show called Ryan's Mystery Played It. I don't know if you know who Ryan's uh, toy review is, but he's like a global sensation. He has like a billion views on YouTube. And this kid was just like a baby playing with like toys and just reviewing how fun it is to play with toys. And this kid made like a billion dollars. And now they have a show where he like plays with toys. And I'm not saying it's not good for the kid. Good for the kid. He's making lots of money, but it's like people put their kids on TikTok and Instagram just to like get views and try try to get money. It's like, it's completely narcissistic to our, to like be a parent who's like that. I'm not saying if you like, you know, if you're, it's hard to say because I'm not saying deny yourself from doing this kind of stuff because maybe you want your kid to be seen and heard, but it's almost like we need to, everyone needs to push to get onto Instagram and be famous on YouTube with your kid doing something kooky or crazy. But it's like your kid doesn't want to live online. They have no idea how much stressors uh, that can make in their life and how much, you know, negative comments. It's like, you can post a video where you're just talking about like, Hey, I love this pizza so much. And some guy's going to be like, people who eat that pizza are fucking losers. And it's like, Jesus, like for what, what is your, why are you such a dick? But it's like, and the thing is like, who cares? Some guys just venting off and who gives a shit, but kids can't comprehend why someone would hate them so much for no reason. Like me and my wife don't like this kid, not because he's like famous, but it's like, Oh my God, I feel so bad. Maybe I hope this kid grows up not to be like a Michael Jackson person where, I'm not saying Michael Jackson's well, a child abuser, but just in general, it's like he's messed up. So it's like, why do p- parents want this for their kids? It's sick. He's definitely had his childhood stolen from him. Definitely. And, yeah. and I totally agree with you. And I think that like your point is amazing. Actually, I think <laughs> that like a lot of children are getting their childhood stolen from them. You know, like, like uh, whatever happened to like running around the streets, getting your knees scraped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how you define who you were as a person to a large degree. And now we're sitting in a situation where like parents are like videotaping their children all day long. You know, COVID has been probably a terrifying, you know, scenario for like, (laughs) can't even understand how bad it is for kids. Yeah. I mean, my kids, my kids, more than one years old. He doesn't know anyone except for me and my wife. Like, he knows my grand, like you know, my parents and her parents, stuff like that. But my kid does yeah. not know what another kid looks like. Yeah, he sees a baby once, and he's like, "What is that fucking thing? What is that thing?" And like, they want to play, but they can't. And it's fucking weird. It's so weird. Right. No, that that that's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah, I, I like I going back to this Rutger Bergman thing. Yeah, you know, we're in a serious crux of society changing, and like, are we as the plebs making this decisions about how we want our future to be, or are we letting the system run us over? I understand. And yeah. I, I think that, that, that that's the question that I sit with in my darkest hours every day <laughs> and, and kind of, kind of realize that like we are, uh, if we don't kind of, take control of things a little bit more or attempt to like, you know, gain some more 
individual power. Uh, uh, we're going to be in a tight spot probably in five years. I can, it's I not, can it's not now. It's not next year. It's five years from now, right? I can see that. Like, um, like a great example uh, that I think is worth worth sharing. Um, you know, alfalfa. Do you ever like buy in the grocery store like alfalfa sprouts? You know what's funny? As you said that, I'm like alfalfa. I'm like, why does that sound familiar? I've never had alfalfa in my entire life. I feel. I feel like I gave it to my guinea pig, really? but that was about it. <laughs> man i know what it is though uh, i know what it is though <laughs> i'm gonna send i'm gonna send you some alfalfa you give me you give me your address afterwards and and i'll send you some alfalfa okay these seeds these seeds you basically like the cost of these seeds is like i don't know like 75 to a dollar a pound okay? wow okay yeah and the, the volume of food and nutrients that's created by these seeds is incredible it's absolutely incredible you you put it in your salads you put it in your sandwiches you put it in whatever right right um it requires a bit of maintenance like you need to like grow the seeds um but I, you can yeah. do it in like any old mason jar or whatever sure um but i i'm, I'm becoming i think a, an advocate for um moving away from the centralized food sources that exist. Okay. So like you being subject to having to buy all your food from like Provigo or like uh, whatever Quebec or Amer- uh, Ontario. Provigo. We got like food basics, bro. I don't know what the fuck you're talking. <laughs> food basics. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> so these guys like one, you don't know where their food's coming from. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Uh, two, you are subject to whatever cost they sort of describe, right? So, like, I don't know if you've followed the the macro environment of society lately, but there's there's a there's a threat that we may experience some form of financial inflation over the next two years and maybe onwards. Okay, in Canada, um, it's looking less bad than America is, but it's still a possibility. Okay. Especially in food. So uh, if you are subject to whatever the grocer wants to charge you, you are always basically losing purchasing power from your wage. Like let's see, like your wages in a year is not going to go up like 10%, right? Unless you get a a promotion or whatever. Sure. But even that's like 1% generally. Cost of food might go up 10% if inflation starts to hit. Okay. okay. So in that scenario, if you have access to other cheaper forms of food that are not through this, like being tied to the grocery store type of situation, then you could uh, avoid the impacts of the food inflation to some degree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, it definitely Okay, so so uh, all these things are on the table. Um, you should definitely give me your address after, and I will send you some alfalfa seeds, and I'll, I'll send you some instructions on how to like grow them because the nutrients and the cost is so low. It's amazing. Uh-huh. Um, and 
I think that like if everyone is not aware of their own what they call food sovereignty, which is like if you look it up, it's like sovereignty is like ownership over. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, I understand the food sovereignty. That makes sense. I, I mean, I can't, I, I don't know where that would exist aside from other countries. But yeah, the authority of a state to govern itself or another state, right? So sovereignty is a self-governing entity. So having sovereignty over your food is having control over your food. Right. Right. Um, and I think that like, I know this like sounds like probably conspiratorial and whatever, but go ahead. Uh, and I'm obviously I'm now probably like, actually, I'm not going to tell you how many drinks I've had, but <laughs> <laughs> the point more is that if you gain control of your food, you gain control over inflation to a large degree. Right. Uh, and if you, uh, worry about these things like I do <laughs> all the time, uh, you would recognize that like the larger control you have over your own food sources, the greater you control you will have and resilience you will have against the financial systems debauchery. Okay. Which is like a whole other conversation we have not gotten into at all in this, in this thing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of leave it with, uh, I, we, we got like maybe like 15 minutes before I should probably go here. And like the financial system is absolutely broken, absolutely broken, Kyle. And I, like when I say that, I mean like it's unfixable. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, to the point where, um, did you ever watch the big short? Yeah, that was a great movie. I watched that recently. Yeah, yeah. And so, that was like, I, I, so because you, I don't know. It's once again, like I hear stuff and I'm like, wow, it's crazy. But mine, I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? But uh, I understand. Yeah. The, um, Christian Bale and stuff like that. It was a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Christian Bale. Yeah. He, so he was, he was, he was representing a guy named Michael Burry. Right. Yeah. And he and knew Michael he Burry, knew what was going to happen to the stock market with like what was it the uh, blue chips or what I can't remember what it was but something like that. Well, so he basically argued that the uh, mortgage backed securities, yeah, which were a uh, asset that was created as a lump sum of a whole bunch of mortgages that were either maybe good or maybe bad. Um, were being sold to other people. Okay. Yeah. And so this like really, really what the, what the term is for all of this is a derivative. Okay. Hmm. And so these derivatives are a, uh, basically going to be the downfall of humanity. Um, uh, in cubes. Um, I'll, I'll send you a really good, um, I'll send you a really good link after the, after the show here. Right. Um, derivatives, uh, basically make up a huge, like, and and when I say huge, I mean like a grossly huge amount of the debt 
that exists outside of the financial system. Okay. okay? Uh-huh. And when I say that, I mean like, um, say you have a mortgage. Do you own your house? I, I, I own my house. Yes, I pay a mortgage. Okay, okay. So your mortgage. Okay, so, so how a derivative works then is that like your house could arguably be sold in a bundle to another like and they they put a contract and they say uh hey goldman sachs you want to buy this bundle of mortgages enjoy and then they like sell that bundle of mortgages off to goldman sachs and then goldman sachs owns all these mortgages um or then goldman sachs says hey jp morgan um I'll sell you a short on these um, mortgages. <laughs> right. Okay. And that's like another form of derivative. Okay. Oh, so yeah. a derivative is a derived asset from other assets. That's pretty much like basically what it is. Right. Okay. And derivatives make up like, I wish I had like a good number to give and I'm going to like throw a number out and then like somebody's going to criticize me out there, but that's totally fine. I'm going to say like 60% of the financial system right now is built in derivatives. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so uh, when you watch the big short, what you watched was derivatives failing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They they kind of gloss it up with like a whole bunch of other like fancy like moves and whatever. Well, also Margot Robbie was in a bathtub naked. So yeah, we all, we all kind of understood that part. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, but there are now way more derivatives, right? So like when we look at the derivatives that were there in 2008, that's, it was like, I think it's like uh, about 60% of the derivatives that exist now. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So we basically created this like giant bubble of derivatives that are like these like assets that are really just assets of assets of assets of assets of assets. Yeah. Okay. And, and so we are, we're sitting on the precipice of a very dangerous place for North American finance. Um, and North American finance is going to dance around it like as best they can for like a very long time. Right. Like, I don't know if you know, like uh, our bank of Canada and like the bank of America or the federal reserve as they call it. Right. Um, they uh, have been basically buying massive amounts of debt uh, off of people who basically run into problems where, it's exactly the situation where, uh, you know, the derivatives have got too gross. And so they need to sell it to someone who will buy it. And then the bank of Canada or the federal reserve will say, Hey, we'll take your, we'll take your garbage derivatives because if you're not, if you're going to like fail on these garbage derivatives, uh, you're basically going to fall apart and that's going to cause like, you know, domino effect of like, 2008 but like worse yeah like the bubble um, of economics kind of under yeah i get it yeah yeah that that's pretty much it so so we're we're now sitting on the like the greatest precipice of failure we've ever 
sat on as a society. Okay. Yeah. All under the premise, all under the premise of COVID, right? So like if the shit falls apart, like it likely will, they're going to blame it all on COVID. They're going to be like, oh, it was COVID. It was COVID, right? Um, But really this is like the, the, the really good argument is that we've like, we've never healed from 2008. They've been just basically putting band-aids on since then. I, like we, we never, we never came back from that, that uh, crash. Do, do you think like that, do you think this is worse than like the, the stock market crash of the thirties? Like, is this way beyond this? It could be like, yeah. like anything's on the table right now, right? Like, like we're, we're in uncharted territory to the greatest fiscal degree that fiscal, uh, uh, managers like the central banks have ever had to deal with, right? Yeah, We're on the cusp of it. Sure. And they've got strategies yeah. and they've got like economists and they've got like mathematicians who are like, well, if we just, you know, tweak this and tweak that and tweak this, then we're totally going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Right. Yeah. Um, the problem is that a large, large part of their solutions tend to benefit the rich people. Right. Mm-hmm. So those who are holding the system together right now, right? Like, let's say, like the banks um, are the ones who are going to benefit from the most support from these entities, large case. Right. And so they are going to, uh, you know, receive the most support from all of this debt buying. Right. Right. So, for example, I've got. I've got a bunch of garbage debt that I just like, you know, poorly assessed the risk of. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, this debt is all going to blow. Hey, Bank of Canada, why don't you buy this? And then the Bank of Canada will pay dollar to dollar, which is not normal in debt purchasing, right? Like normally when you purchase bad debt, you'd be like, I'll buy that debt at 50 cents on the dollar. Yeah. You want to right? lower, you want to lower the debt that you're going to buy. Like you're going to spend. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I understand. Yeah. Exactly. And you're, and you're trying to decrease your risk, but the bank of Canada is taking that all on. Right. Right. And so now there's this, like, I'm, I'm totally tangenting and ranting now, but there is this like modern monetary theory. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is this idea that like, well, who does the Bank of Canada, who are they accountable to? Right. Right? I don't, I don't know if you know too much about the, the, the Bank of Canada, but they're kind of like a weird entity like the Federal Reserve. Yeah. That's kind of like um, they have no uh, accountable person, yeah. arguably. Yeah. Um, so... So they could keep buying debt infinitely and and nobody's expecting them to pay any debt because they make the money. <laughs> so they, they have a monopoly on the money, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. They, 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 they're the ones who make the money to give it to people to pay off their debt. So it's literally just a vicious circle is kind of, I think, what you're getting at, right? Like it doesn't pay anything off. Is that kind of what you're getting kinda. at? Yeah, yeah, and and or more that like, I'm not even saying that there's a problem with this system. It's yeah. more that like, everything we've known about economics, 
like everything we've known about like you managing the money of your household, yeah. right? Like when you manage the money of your household, you're worried about how much money comes in, how much money goes out, of course. Uh, you know, how much money you got to pay on the child, how much money you got to pay for food, etc. Right. Right. So they're now saying that the, the bank of Canada doesn't have to play by these rules, right? Like they can basically the whole money coming in thing is as much as they want. Right. Arguably. Right. Uh, and, and so, <laughs> so there, there's kind of two ideas there. One, um, what are the implications for us as taxpayers? Right. So we have a, we have a non governmental body or, or pseudo governmental body right. that can basically just print money out of nowhere. Okay. I might have to, I might have to end this in like six minutes. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. Look, do what you gotta do, man. Let me hold know. On, yeah. Okay. I got to nerd out in like five minutes. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> What's what? Okay. So like you only got a couple minutes, so let's, Let's um let's just get down to like brass tacks. What's going on with your life? Like what's do you have anything going like um YouTube, Instagram people can follow you on or anything? Uh no. <laughs> um I really should though. I really should. I think um oh god. I think that if anyone wants to contact me, if there's any people who are actually interested in talking further uh, they can reach me at like cities dot under dot fire at gmail dot com, um, and maybe just to like tie up things like really quickly, mm. um, going to solutions about all of this shit. Uh, I think one of the big things is that we need to like start building community again, um, and what I've been doing to build community is that I've got a community here in Calgary uh, called the herding cats uh, where we basically are doing a bunch of research and development around uh, how to live together better as human beings. And maybe like, you know, not trying to fuck each other over all the time (laughs) for like personal gain. Um, and it's a really great group. Uh, <laughs> we're a, uh, how do you want to put it? And in, an intentional community, I guess they call it. Uh, we, everybody feeds, everybody cooks once a week, uh, a little leftist, you know, if you want to like put it that way, but like, God damn, there's some good cooks and holy shit. Am I eating way better than I've ever eaten in my entire life? Um, and I, I'd be more than welcome for anyone who's interested in learning more about the herding cats to, uh, contact me at that email that I previously mentioned. Well, fuck, there you go, man. Um, dude, seriously, like it's been, I don't know, like we said, like 10 fucking years and it's, it's crazy because it's like I've I've known you for so long and nothing has really changed. Like you're just you're always the person who gives me insight to so many fucking things. You've changed my my whole persona in so many ways. Like 
you know, meant it mentally and emotionally in the, I'd say spiritually, that's kind of gay though. No offense to gay. I'm just saying like, um, what do you mean? Uh, okay. <laughs> no, and, and spiritually, even if it's gay, okay too. I don't mean, cause, I, cause the thing is I don't really believe in spirits. I'm not like a person who really believes in that kind of stuff, but I think it's just like, there's so many things about us being friends that have changed my, my whole life. And, um, it's just, it's been weird that like after all this time I've contacted you and I was like, you know, I really gotta get this guy on the podcast and like already I'm like listening to this stuff and I'm like anyone who knows you and like, you know, um, people who are, we're common friends with are going to be like, I can't believe like this is like Jordan is still Jordan. Like he always had this sort of like this ness about him, this, this ist or anything about yourself. That's always been kind of you and I've always like loved and respected that about you. There's just so many times I've visited you or you know hung out with you, and there's never a moment of like, <clears throat> um, never a moment of like kind of unsure of what you're doing in your life. You've always kind of had something going for you. You've always just kind of like boredom. <laughs> no, but like it's. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have had you on the podcast if I thought like, oh, this guy fucking sucks. It's like I everything about knowing you I've always like been like man remember when Jordan used to do that I still talk to people and we're like man Jordan was the coolest fucking dude and shit nothing's changed like you're the same person voice as we said earlier is this exact same and uh just the way you're you're always you're always tackling really interesting issues and there's so many things I didn't learn like you told me you told me something I had no idea about right I know I have no comprehension of some of this stuff and you told me and I'm like and you sent me links and I'm like Jesus like I had no idea of this shit huh and you've got your own stuff going oh, and God. you've always had that you're you're making me blush. And I, <laughs> I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. Like you know, I'm I'm a piece of shit, Kyle. I'm oh. an absolute piece of shit. Don't so say that. I appreciate you know any any little love that I can get at any time. <laughs> That's nice. Um, Kyle, I can't thank you enough for for kind of like having this conversation with me you 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 yourself you know you've been like a uh when i was younger there were not too many people that i felt were like really strong leaders in the group that i was a part of various groups that i was a part of and like you led our little band you know, <laughs> you, you 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 have a lot of leadership ability that i think you're demonstrating both through this like podcast and through, you know, that I I've seen generally. And like, we need more of that dude, you know, like, don't, don't feel scared about like finding your own truths and then like pushing those truths a little harder, you know? Uh, I know with your, I know with your wife, uh, like, it's scarier to be like, I, I I'm single and I'm a uh, rogue in the world. So it's like, it's far easier for me to be like controversial, but I think that like you have a very like honorable heart and like a good rhetoric. And I think you could maybe take, you know, keep, keep talking your truth, man. I, I appreciate Hanging out today. Not only it's, am I uh, blushing, I got a boner, so I got to take care of the situation right now. <laughs> right, right, right. Anyways, anyways, uh, bud, like, let's fucking let's do this again, though. I'm super stoked that we totally. kind of kept in contact for so many fucking years, and it's been forever since we even spoke. 
Yeah, totally, totally. We're we're um, the the cats and I are um, planning on doing a podcast uh, in the next little while uh, regarding creating intentional communities. And not that it not that I think it's something you're probably interested in, but I um, I might hit you up in terms of like feedback on criticism that you might have towards more people maybe coming up with cooler forms of living together than currently exist. I'm down, man. Anytime you need something, hook me up. And Or if you want me to promote the podcast you guys are doing or any of your websites or emails, just let me know. I'll fucking do that. No problem. Sweet. Sweet. That would be great. That would be awesome. Cool, man. Well, fucking, I don't know. Enjoy the rest of your night. And it's been a fucking pleasure to talk after so many goddamn years. And I just feel like a shithead for not doing this sooner. Kyle, likewise, (laughs) likewise, man, I, we should, we should also have an off air, you know, just like, I just want to hear like what your kid's up to and you know, what he's like, you know, what are his passions? (laughs) I'll send you pics, bro. He's like, yeah, well, I mean, he likes to, like I say, he likes to bite people and he likes to run around and cause shit. So I'll send you some fucking pictures. (laughs) Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. That'd be super awesome. I, uh, yeah, I really appreciate the reach out, man. Um, we need to do more of this. So hit me up and, uh, I'll, I'll be in touch for sure. Cool, man. It's been a fucking pleasure. So you have a good night and do whatever you got to do. I heard it's something about inseminating some balls or something. So I don't know. What, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. <laughs> I, uh, it's not balls related. I, I know. I, I, I just uh, think it was more of a, of a, my balls related. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, yeah. Reaching that critical point of no return. So I, feel like I should probably responsibly say, you know, love you, Kyle, love, you know, whoever might be listening and, you know, keep your stick on the ice. There you go. Red green, pulling it right back. I love red green so much. <laughs> like you can basically just like tap him anytime. And like, it's so Canadian. You will find knowledge in red green. He's so wise. He's so wise. Anyway, okay. Yeah, but all right. I'll see you later, Kyle. Yeah, I'll text you later. I'll send you some pictures of my kid. Sounds good. I would love that. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh shit. That was my interview or my my interview. My interview. Uh that was the podcast with my friend Jordan. And legitimately, as I said, we have not spoken like spoken words of our of our native language of English in fucking I'm literally saying a decade or more. It's unreal. The last time I saw him, I was in Montreal with him and we were like fucked up on all sorts of things. Um, Lots of alcohol and drugs and stuff like that. So yeah, I was probably in my early twenties when last time we hung out and then, you know, you start to fall away from some people and not like, not trying to, but um, it happens. And it's really sad because after talking with him for so long, it's just, he's still Jordan. He's still the exact same guy who, you know, we became friends so long ago and nothing's changed. And I can't believe, you know, we, we kept in contact this, this much in depth where we just text each other once a year to wish each other happy birthday. And now it's like, he's on a podcast with me and I, I can't believe it. So anyways, guys, um, enjoy the podcast. Listen, 
like, subscribe. We're on iTunes, Spotify. You guys know the deal. Anyways, uh, fucking peace out. That's all there is to it. Bye. What's up? Uh,